Hello guys, Jonathan here from Arcade Repair Tips. We would just like to take a moment and thank you for listening to the audio replay of the live show here on the podcast feed. We'd also like to remind you to join our live show on the first Thursday night of every month at 5.30 p.m. Central Time. It's always a great time and we enjoy interacting with people just like you in our live chat. So be sure to make plans to be there for the next one. Remember also that we have an after show that takes place immediately after the live show. And if you'd like to listen to the audio from that, you will need to check it out on our YouTube page, which can be found at youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. So let us continue on with a short word from our sponsor, and then we'll get to the episode. Broadcasting from their world headquarters in Texas, it's the Arcade Repair Tips Live Show. The show that discusses arcade repair, restoration, news, and more. Now, here are your hosts, Tim and Jonathan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Arcade Repair Tips live show for April 2023, episode 74. My name is Jonathan Leung. I'm the producer, director, and editor here at the Arcade Repair Tips video series. And joining me today, as always, is Mr. Arcade Repair Tips Mm -hmm. himself, Tim Peterson. Tim, how are you doing, man? I'm doing okay, John. Just tired of, uh, we've been getting enough rain in Texas. Normally, we don't say that all all year times of the year but i think we've had enough lately i think we've gotten so much tim that the kids easter egg hunts this year are actually going to be easter swims yeah so i, I mean so. We've, we've literally gotten rain pretty much um every week at least for a couple of days every week my backyard literally looks like a swimming pool and i, I didn't even have to do any digging i so. see you're sporting the pac-man easter yeah we got it there That's pac-man easter cool. shirt i've also got my 7-eleven hat you'll remember that last time on the last live show if you guys were watching we advertised that 7-eleven was doing some pac-man merchandising mm-hmm. so here we go i've got my hat Got this for my birthday, Tim, which was right. earlier uh, earlier this week, so my wife was nice enough to get that to me, so very excited about the collaboration between 7-Eleven and Pac-Man. If you guys haven't checked out the stores yet, they've got the um, the cherry, the cherry um, Slurpee is now branded with, I forget who it is, Yeah. and then mm-hmm. um, they've got a, the clock coffee, and then they've yeah. got the, the cappuccino and stuff like this, so if you haven't been to your local 7-Eleven to check out some Pac-Man merchandise, you're missing out, that's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. So, but anyway, Tim. Yes, it has been wet. But other than that, how's your how's your how's your month been going? Good. Just uh, you know, had a trip to New Jersey, which we'll talk about, and had a good time there. Um, getting ready to go to El Paso in a couple of weeks, so I'll be out there. Hopefully, get to go to Rubik's again and play some more games out there. Uh, just never stops. Every time I think we, oh well, we kind of busy this week. Next week won't be too busy. It just seems like it's busier. So. Never slows down, right? Absolutely, Tim. Well, we're so glad that you guys are here with us tonight, and uh, we're, look for, we're looking forward to answering some questions. And Tim, we got quite a few. This is going to be a busy show, because not only do we have the questions, we've got your trip to, uh, where did you go in New Jersey now? I went to Jersey Shore, up and down the shore. I was in, stayed in Neptune, New Jersey, uh, people that know where that is, but... I was kind of all over the shoreline, okay. up and down. So, but the the place that you went to, the Silver Ball. Oh, I went to Silver Ball, which was in um, something park. <laughs> Somebody will help me in the chat room. Probably it was right near Neptune, like four miles. Asbury Park. Asbury Park. That is correct. Asbury Park, and I went to Silver Balls there, and they have a really big uh, arcade, lots of pinball games, uh, from wood rails up to the brand 
some of the brand new games. So had and you a have great some pictures time. that you sent me. Yeah. And so we'll be showing those later in the show. We hope that you guys will stay tuned for that. Tim, I'm going to go ahead and go over to the live chat, though, as we normally do. Jumping General says, hey, guys, looking forward to the show. Big D Retro says, we'll miss the show tonight, but wanted to know if Monitor starts out solid green, then shortly after collapses to the center as a colorful circle, is the Monitor fried? So what do you think, Tim? Well, it's not completely fried. It's definitely collapsing, and it needs repaired. But all of it's fixable. It needs probably a cap kit, and you may have some horizontal output. I mean vertical IC issue, so we're going to have to dig into that a little deeper, but I, if, if it starts off green and everything looks looks good, you might touch up all those solders and make sure you're actually getting a good video connection. It's not just shutting down because it's not getting video, so do you actually hear the game playing? That's one thing that I would want to know. Absolutely. Um, Regzer Show's here. He says, hello, gentlemen. Hey. We got Hayesville Arcade. Awesome. Let's go. Watching from Kansas, Tim. Okay. So there we go. Current Phonograph is here. Greetings from California. Nice. So um, Nate Berg is here from Nova Scotia. Excuse okay. me, Nova Scotia. <laughs> uh, Jumping General says, hey, I've got a crazy con cabinet. I'm replacing the power cord and power supply. Is it okay to wire the power cord directly into the switching power supply, or do I need some sort of fuse in between? Well, it's always a good idea to have a fuse because uh, you don't have to. You can wire it directly to answer your question, but we always want to have that fuse in case, let's say you have a lightning strike or something seriously wrong and you don't want that to go all the way through. You want it to hit that fuse and blow. Uh, fuse will protect a lot of those vital uh, components of your game rather than send the power all the way through it. That's kind of one of the purposes of a fuse is the protection. And so I would highly recommend that you go through a fuse. Absolutely. And it's we also recommend, as I was say, also AC filters yeah. are still good things to have. So an AC filter and a fuse are just still good things to have. Are they required? Like Tim said, not really. Um, but if you get that big pop, let's say a lightning strike or a big power surge, you could damage your switching power supply instead of, so you're basically you're damaging a 30 to $50 part versus a, what, $5 or even $1 fuse. Right. I mean, that's the difference, right? Yeah. So you want to protect it. Um, and your and your main board and things like that, you know. So you want to make sure that you don't have those power. Even like in the summer, we talk about it here in Texas a lot. When the air conditioner comes on, sometimes you'll even see our lights kind of dim for a second. It's a big power surge, and um, you don't want anything coming back through there that's going to damage that. So I would always put a fuse in there. Sounds good. And then uh, Junger Dynamic uh, Dynamicker. I okay. guess, says, greetings from late night Switzerland. Nice. Oh, Switzerland. That's Very awesome. Very late. Golly. <laughs> so, well, we're so glad to have all of you here, <clears throat> whether it's uh, the morning or the afternoon or the evening. <laughs> right. so we're I don't so know whether to say good morning, good night, or what the, but thank you everybody for being here. Absolutely. And so we will be getting to some questions here. We're very excited. We will also be talking about some news recently, Tim. A lot of pinball news mm -hmm. coming out of the Texas Pinball Festival. Our friend Mark was there, gave us some updates and things. And we'll also be talking about two games, Tim, we did not cover in the last episode and there, we covered three in the last episode right. right it's amazing what's happening in pinball right now so we'll be talking about that tim i think uh, chuck e cheese is on the docket with right. some news about uh, floppy disks that you may have <laughs> seen in your life i've seen a few of them there you go and some other things as well so we're so glad that you're here we're excited to get this show on the road so tim without any further ado and with the live chat all cut up Let's move on with some questions. And this first one here, Tim, is from Philip. Now, this is a little bit different. Um, Philip sounds like he's actually working on an arcade one up, Tim. 
Okay. So let's go ahead and get to Phil's question here. I have a Miss Pac-Man Partycade. I put a new Arcade 1-Up PCB board in that does not only Miss Pac-Man, but Galaxian and Galaga as well. The system boots up fine except for the joystick control. Up is left, down is right, etc. Would you know if there's a way of accessing the mapping menu for making the joystick work with this new board? At first I thought the joystick was defective, but when I put in the original PCB board, the joystick it works fine. It just seems that the new board won't work right. Do you have any suggestions? Any assistance would be appreciated. Thank you so much. Now, Tim, uh, this is an arcade one up, and I mean, obviously, that's not what we cover most of the time here. Most of the time, we're covering <coughs> actual arcade games, right? But I think that there is an arcade, like a traditional arcade repair solution to this that may work instead of doing the encoder board, right? Right. Or modifying the um, the board software. So yes, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's a good question though because. And it could happen in a, in a regular arcade game, too. So it sounds like when he switches boards, the mapping is different. So yes. he can't go, he can't, it's very, very hard to play. Whereas if it was, it's not a, the old JAMA standard, you know, should be the same. Right. Right. But uh, obviously, and I would have thought that for most part, I would have thought that most arcade one-up boards were, were like the same mapping, too. Sure. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised it wasn't. But the fact that it's not... Now, we really don't know a way to go in. I, that would probably be an Arcade 1-Up question. I don't know if there's a menu or something you could go in so, and change it. Um, some Arcade 1-Up boards are very very wildly. Some of them use like Android as their underlying operating system, Tim. So they're okay. almost like a phone, which means you can get into those. But I'm not sure if his party kit is like that. Some of them use um, kind of low-level emulation, Tim, and don't really have like a full-on like mm -hmm. visual operating system. They don't have a UI on top of it. And so it would depend on which board he has as to if he had modified the software. It's possible. But Tim, I don't off the top of my head know whether the party K board can be accessed, like whether you can access that so software via like a um, keyboard or not. Right. So. That would be a question to actually call and ask them, and they may or may not tell you, even right. if you could. Or somebody in the modding community. But we do have a solution. Yes, we do. <laughs> and the solution would be quite simple. I'm sure most of the guys in the chat room already know. That would be just to go ahead and switch the wires that go to your joystick. So, in other words, if it's... Um, going left, you want to go right, switch those wires around. And now they'll have a ground wire. You want to switch the other the other wire. I'm not sure what color or what they look like on there, but it should only be two wires just like an arcade game. And you're just going to switch the wires around. And you might take a little play and you might, now it's going right instead of left. I remember the first time I ever wired up a Mortal I think that Mortal Kombat over there, Jonathan, uh, I had them going everywhere, and I didn't even really realize you could read um, a pinout or anything. I was just putting them in until one of them worked. I was like, okay, that's up. Then I'm going to put it up here. So sometimes you can unplug all four, plug one in, see which direction when you hit it, it goes, and that's your left or that's your right or whatever it is. Move it over there. It's just a process of elimination. There's only four wires, so it shouldn't take you too long to figure that out. Now, once you do that, it is going to mess with the mapping, which means the original board will will now not work. Right, not work. So that's something to think about. And I'm not sure if the arcade one up that you have actually has terminals and and like terminal or connections, soldered, right. or if they're soldered, or if they're actually built into the switch. So you may have to clip the wire and then reconnect the wire with wire nuts or Tim we have a whole video on on connecting wires back together that you can watch as to how to connect those wires back to where they need to go so yeah what I would recommend if it doesn't have a terminal that you put a terminal on it because 
when you go to switch back to your original board, you may need to switch them again. And those are what that's why they're called quick, quick disconnects a lot of times, so you can quickly disconnect and tr plug it in somewhere else. So if they don't have those, I would definitely consider putting those and we do have videos on watching on and how you, to do that exactly if now here's the thing tim some of these micro switches for these arcade one-ups actually have the wire inside the switch oh okay. okay now if that's the case you can still do what tim talked about you just need to buy a new joystick right so if you got like a traditional arcade joystick which would play better probably than the one arcade one-up installed one anyway but if you got like a traditional four-way joystick and install that and then put terminals on and then connected them to the switches it would be easier for to for you to change around those directions if you needed to in the future for sure agree so tim is there anything else on philip's question before we move on i don't think so we got a little bit going on in the chatter uh, yeah, chatter we'll in the chat in a, room we'll hit that here in a second let me go ahead and sum up philip uh, philip's question here oh i'm already throwing that up okay based on your description it sounds like the button mappings between the two arcade one-up boards are not the same unfortunately we do not know a way to get into the software settings for the board to change it okay so we don't but there may be somebody in the modding community who does with that said, you should be able to physically move the wire connectors going to the, the joystick switches to get it working. For example, if the up direction is registering left on the new board, move that wire that's connected to the up switch to the left switch. Repeat this process until all of the wires are matched up to the correct directional switches. Like we mentioned, Philip, you may benefit from putting in a traditional uh, arcade joystick, right, Tim? Right. So you may benefit from that if you want to go that route. And then putting terminals on those wires so you can easily switch them around. So that's something to think about as well. And if you have any additional uh, questions about that or if you need help with that process, please let us know. And uh, good luck with with your um, joystick, getting this joystick to work with that other board on your arcade one-up partycade cabinet. And Tim, these partycades are pretty cool. Yeah. They can um, hang on doors or they can sit um, on a cabinet so or like on a table. They mm -hmm. actually have like a stands that you can right. put on. It's very cool. So very cool stuff. Um, but uh, Philip, hopefully that answers your question and good luck getting your arcade one-up Miss Pac-Man partycade to work with that modded board that you have. Okay, Tim, I'm going to come over to the live chat real quick. Um, Matt says, greetings from Ontario. Okay. So there we go. We've got some Canadians watching tonight. Ooh, worldwide tonight. That's right. Now, I am going to Canada here in the summer, Tim, to go oh, visit my family. Good. I got I got uh, quite a bit of family in Calgary, and I got my passport. It should be coming in hopefully any day now. Nice. So we've already applied and everything. So looking forward to seeing you Canadians uh, here in the summertime. How so, fun. It, and it's nice because it's cool up there, and it's 110 cooler, here. Right? So, right, exactly. So, But Matt does have a question, Tim. He says, I have a cabinet with an oddball monitor, a Roto JWAA888A. 888A, excuse me. I'm doing a recapping of the chassis. I noticed there is no isolation transformer in the cabinet. Should I add one? Is there any harm? Well, if it didn't have one to begin with, that, that probably is built onto that monitor. And you're right, I don't recognize that monitor. That may be the tube brand. Um, you can send us a picture of your chassis uh, is what we're really concerned about. Um, it's, it's never a bad idea to add one. Never a bad idea. They're good to have... Uh, play it safe if you want to and add one, but the fact that it doesn't have one in there and did it, I'm assuming at some point this game was working uh, It may not need one, but um, Kind of depends on the age too. I would say anything 2000 and up probably doesn't need one just a round number But if it's earlier than that, uh, did you say what game it was? He did not. Okay Well, tell me what game it was too. that might help but it, When in doubt just play it safe. It's not gonna hurt for sure. So, right. well, and here's the thing: if it didn't, I like to put them in there, if it didn't come installed with one, 
And the monitor is hooked up to a power source. There's a good chance that it probably doesn't require one or right. it has one on the board. Now, with that said, if you start looking at the board and the diodes are blown on the board, that's a lot of times <laughs> the first thing that blows when you don't have an isolation transformer hooked up, then you may need an isolation transformer. And so, but in most cases, especially digital monitors, and like Tim mentioned, anything basically 2000 and newer CRT wise, mm-hmm. a lot of times does have an isolation transformer on the board, basically on the chassis to where it's not required down below. And so um, considering this one's one we have not heard of probably something newer tim i would imagine I would and think. so if it is newer you probably don't need it there's no harm if it does not require it but there's no harm in putting one in if it does require or if it doesn't require it either so right. i mean you can run you can run an isolation transformer with a monitor that already has an included isolation transformer but you can't run a monitor that requires an isolation transformer without an isolation exactly transformer. so that's what you have to keep in mind but for the most part if it's a digital monitor especially or if it's a newer style monitor and it doesn't have an isolation transformer you're probably okay so, Agreed. Uh, let's see. It's a Street Fighter 2, he says, Tim. Okay. So, uh, Rainbow Board. Bootleg. That is a very fun bootleg. Really? <laughs> so, um, you can do mid-air moves, and you can change characters mid-fight, and all oh, that kind fun. of stuff. Rainbow, if you've never played it, is available on MAME, Tim. You've got the ROM hack available there. So, it's, it's, very, it's a very unique style of Street Fighter. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, that doesn't tell us a lot about that monitor. No, so, and I would say that's kind of on the cusp of could, need it, could not, need it, so why not put one in there? They're, they're not that expensive, and I would put one in there just to be safe. There you go. Uh, next one here from Current Phonograph. I bought an original Miss Pac-Man PCB board that came out of a cocktail table. Does this PCB work with the stand-up cabinet, too? Yes. Yes. It, now, dip- there's an exception to that, right? Right. Or not an exception, but there's a there's a trick to that, right, Tim? Yes, a little trick. Go ahead, John. I, I was going to say, <clears throat> um, I think, is it a dip switch or yeah, is it a, a ground? It's a dip switch setting okay. that you got to change. So, it's a cocktail mode, I think it says, right? Yeah. Or and so you'll have to find the dip switches, make sure the game is off, switch the dip switch into regular mode. And then um, yours probably still has the daughter card. Uh, it may or may not, um, you know, have been modified to with or without it. But, yeah, it's, it's the same PCB, basically. Yeah. There are some games, and I always forget which ones are which. There are some classic cocktail games, Tim, where in order to get in the cocktail mode, you have to ground a pin. We've seen that before, okay. too. I don't yeah. think Miss Pac... I can't remember. I think Miss Pac-Man, Pac-Man is a dip switch. Yeah. Right. But some of them do require you to ground a pin to in order to get into cocktail mode. I'm pretty sure Tim's right. With Miss Pac-Man, Pac-Man boards, I believe it is just a dip switch it's on the board. So if you look up the dip switches for Pac-Man games, you'll probably find the one that you need to modify. So otherwise, like Tim mentioned, same board. And you may have a daughter card. Daughter cards were what originally came with Miss Pac-Man boards, but a lot of boards have been modified since to do away with the daughter cards. Mm-hmm. So it just depends on whether or not somebody modded the board to do that or not. So... Uh, remember the six-pack kit? Yeah. So there's like a six-pack kit that Tim Tim actually um, sold for a while that would do away the daughter card, give you six different versions of Pac-Man, right? Yes. So and there's there's a couple of six-packs. Not the only one that does that. There's a couple of different mods. Mm-hmm. Of that, I'm so. sure there's quite a few by now. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay. Yeah. He says yes. It does have the daughter card. Okay. So just go. be careful when I, I was just only reason why I mentioned that. Just be real careful when you're moving it over. Because it seems like those things don't like to be moved very nope. well. The old ribbon cables are pretty brittle and stuff. So just be careful with it when you move it or Absolutely. put it up. Okay. Well, Tim, I think we are caught up uh, in the live chat. So let us continue on here, guys, with a question from Angelo. And Angelo says, Hello, I am trying to repair a Cart Fury racing arcade game. Tim, this is a newer style game you're probably familiar with. Mm-hmm. The board above the steering wheel with the LED on it is not working. Can you help me? Thanks, Angelo. 
So Tim, this is pretty basic. Um, for those of you guys who know Kart Fury Racing, there's an LED that reads like the speed, I think it yeah. is, Tim, whenever you're driving. It has, like It's a speedometer, basically, or a fake speedometer there. And what he's saying is basically there is no readout on that speedometer, okay? So he's not getting anything on that dashboard, okay? Right. And you can actually see, I think um, that front part has like almost what looks like an RPM meter on it. Mm -hmm. And then it has like, and like I said, it'll read you the speed there. And so basically we're looking at that front LED is not working. So what can we check on the Kart Fury Racing here, Tim, in order to repair that and get that working again? Well, anytime you have that little secondary board like that, the first thing that I always check would be the connection from the main board to that. Because I can't tell you, you think about a steering and stuff, a lot of times they just get uh, unconnected or not quite connected as good as they were. Or even one of those wires, a lot of times, it seems like these are the cheapest, brillest, thinnest wire they could find. And a lot of times those will break or something. Make sure you got continuity between the two. So you really want to make sure that you have a good connection. That'd be step one from the main board to that board. And that could be the main board could be a long ways from there. So all it takes is one wire break or ground or something. So I would check all of those. If all the wiring is good, then I would check for voltage going to your little, it's some kind of little board. Um, and I would make sure that it's getting power. If it's not getting power, then you could have a problem with your main board or power, some break in the line somewhere. And if it is getting power, there probably is something wrong with that board itself. And I'm not familiar enough with it, but uh, it's either going to be your PCB or the main board. And both of them would need re repair. If it's PCB, is probably a chip or something on the board. Uh, there could even be a fuse in line. Uh, but if it's just a small board, a lot of times there's resistors that go bad on those and they will quit working or they're not, uh, follow the voltage through it and you might be able to find a culprit. Um, other than that, finding a replacement is going to be really tough, but there's not very many components on that board. Surely something on there was bad. If you had to replace them, you could probably rebuild the whole board pretty easily. Gotcha. Okay, so Tim, let's go ahead and uh, show this real quick so everybody can see it here. So first off, like Tim mentioned, check that the dashboard PCB is making a good connection to the main game board. Now, Tim, this uses ribbon cables okay. like we were talking about before. Good. So there's a ribbon cable that runs between the two boards. We want to make sure that it is not damaged and that it is plugged in correctly, okay? Which means that the pin, the, the direction of the ribbon cable matches the direction it's supposed to go. Okay, right, so, so it make sure. it's going to matter. Right. We recommend using the continuity check between on your multimeter to ensure that that the connection is good between the two boards, okay? Mm -hmm. So you can check to make sure you're getting continuity on those pins individually. So that's very important, guys. If the connection checks out, like Tim mentioned, see if the PCB board is getting power. So you should be able to measure voltage on some of those chips on that board and see if it's got power. So if it has power, then it's probably a problem with the PCB itself. If it does not have power, then you may have a problem upstream. That could be with the game board. That could be with the power supply. That could be with something else. Mm -hmm. But overall, um, like Tim mentioned, this is not a complex board. These are just typically kind of auxiliary boards that are off the main board. And so... Um, Usually the components can be replaced fairly easily and you can get back in, up and going without too much of an expense. Now, is that an actual picture right there, John? That is not a picture of what he had. This is just a picture I found on the internet. Okay. But just to show just to show everybody kind of what that looks like. Because so. looking at that one, I also remember that um, those little blocks, you would say, or bricks, uh -huh. um, all the time I would have to touch up the solder on them 
or replace those individual You're talking pieces. about on the seven-segment LEDs. On the seven-segment LEDs, yes. Those definitely uh, do go bad. And so I wonder if he, if he might not be in the live chat tonight, but I would like to know, is it lighting up at all, getting no power? I'd almost rather see one that was getting no power because usually that's in the wiring or something. But if it's kind of half wonky and not reading right, those things are not very fun to replace. Okay. So it could actually be the seven-segment LED right there that's having the problem. And it looks like there's a gang of three right there. Yes, three, there's three of them. LEDs. So, yeah. So that's a good point, too, Tim. I didn't even think about that. The board could be operating correctly, but the display could be shot. The display itself, the LEDs, do go out over time, and you have to desolder them and replace them. By that time, it's usually easier just to buy a whole new board if it's even available these days. But I'm sure you can still buy those components. Oh, absolutely. So that's another thing to think about, Angelo. So hopefully uh, we've given you a good place to start on that. If you need additional help, please contact us. Tim, I believe that Angelo is in Italy. Okay. Because I had to translate this from Italian. Oh, wow. So there you go. Um, so I hope the translation <laughs> well, came over okay. Pretty good translation job. There, uh, I I, Google Translate, Tim. Okay. Well. <laughs> so, but, um, you know, hey, we will take questions from all over the world, as we mentioned. So, right. I mean, hopefully, Angelo, that answers your question. <laughs> and if you need additional help, please write us back. If it's in Italian, Tim, we'll translate it again. So, okay. um, but hopefully, hopefully you can get your car free racing um, little LED readout board there up and running soon. Now, Tim. In that on that same game, we have a question from Hayesville Arcade. They say okay. our Cart Fury will boot up and run fine for fifteen to twenty minutes, or a few races, then shuts off on its own. Could it be a missing fuse or a bad power supply? Usually, when a game works and then stops after a while, it's usually the power supply. It's usually uh, kicks on and it's it's working, but as the game is pressed and the graphics are are doing more things. Uh, will shut down. Sometimes it's just a tweak of the power supply. So make sure that you're actually at the right voltage to your board uh, because it doesn't take much for it to shut down. Sometimes just turning it up a little bit, um, you know, try to dial it in as close as you can, but sometimes a little bit higher. Uh, don't go crazy, but just a little bit you know, will cause it to, to work all the time. But a lot of times it's the power supply. Now, Tim, uh, the one thing I would add is that when it stops working, check the power immediately. For sure. So, like, as soon as that thing shuts off, open up the back, get your multimeter out, check the voltage right there. If right. the voltage is dead from the power supply at that point, power supply. Sure. If the voltage is still good from the power supply... But it died, yeah, then you... Game board. Yeah, then you could have a game board issue, exactly. Yeah. So, it could and, be a processor on your board or something, right? Right. Now, on these games, driving games and games that get a lot of, like, functional movement, me and Tim have talked about this before, you really want to turn those up to about 5.1 mm -hmm. on your power supply because they tend, especially with these newer style games that are PC-based, they tend to suck down a little bit more voltage than what you normally would have with, like, a standard arcade game. So, you may try moving that voltage up to about 5.1 Okay. Uh, and just seeing, right, if it sure. does any better. Because, I mean, a lot, these newer games with high high end graphics cards, they take a little bit more juice. And so maybe we're just t tweaking it just a bit to see if it makes a difference. So Interesting. Same game, though, right? Yes. <laughs> um, jumping general, I have an empty cabinet and looking to build something to play all the arcade Mortal Kombat's and other fighting games. Can you recommend the best Pandora's box? Now, Nate came in and said Pandora, Pandora 10 is the best and newest on the market with possible gun support. Um, the Pandora Box Home Edition, if you're using a scratch build, if using JAMA, get the JAMA version. Make sure it does CGA wiring using an old monitor that's not VGA. The Pandora's Box boards, I don't know all the difference between them. Um, I have probably an 8 or a 9 that I use that's fine and plays most of the games pretty, pretty, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Pretty good. I mean, I can't tell the difference. Um, so there's a lot of different versions, but the Pandora's box seems to be the most popular, and I've run so many different versions of that over the years, Tim. Yeah, it would just so make sense that the newest version probably has the some of the fixes yeah. and my, better stuff. Mine has online the ability to get online on Wi-Fi and download more games. Nice. So, I mean, and I don't know what version that is, but it's one of the newer versions, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, um, But there's a lot of them out there. But th- the Pandora's box boards that you'll see on, like, AliExpress, sometimes you'll see them on Amazon and stuff like that. I mean, those are decent boards and they work good enough for most of the games you want to play uh let's see matt can you explain what the purpose is of a transformer in the bottom of a cabinet power cable goes into it then out to the emi filter is it necessary okay the actual like the isolation transformer it sounds like he's saying isolation transformer so um typically he says power cable goes into it and then out to an emi filter so yeah. some people wire their cabinets like that. Um, we recommend the Bob Roberts way to wire a cabinet, which would mm-hmm. be AC filter, AC distribution to individual parts. Right. But some people will wire an isolation transformer first and then go to like an e- the filter and then go through all the stuff. And there's really, there's really not a whole lot of, I mean, there's no real difference, but the monitor is the only thing that needs the isolation transformer. So a lot of times if we run it, we're running straight AC, um, standard out of the wall AC to everything and then just the isolation transformer to the monitor. Right. But Tim, let's get into that a little bit. Isolation transformers, what are they really there for for the monitor? Well, they they do they do exactly what they say. They isolate, they kind of filter out a lot of the bad and those uh, wave fluctuations, you might say, and power surges. Kind of, I, I always think of it's kind of like a surge protector, an old school surge protector. It keeps uh, the the electricity clean and, and kind of steady and keeps it from fluctuating too much from what I've always understood about them. Um, and I'm no expert on them, but I just, from my research and from what I've looked at them, um, is that, you know, yeah, I think they were really important back in the arcades. They talk a lot about uh, back in the day when everybody was listening to radio more and the AM radios and stuff would, it would interfere and you'd see stuff on your screen and things like that. I don't think we have kind of those problems like we had today. So that's why they've definitely shrunk in size, but they're still must, must have a need Jonathan because they still put them in monitors. They're still built in. So, you know, what we want is a clean, we don't want a lot of spikes and a lot of ripple in our AC. We want it to be as clean and as steady, I guess is maybe a good term. Uh, what do you think? Well, there's a great Bob Roberts article, Tim, uh-huh. on isolation transformers that we would highly recommend you check out. And if I could link to that, if I could bring it up and link to it real quick, maybe here in a bit, I will. But um, Bob Roberts has a whole article on isolation transformers that you need to read. If you really want to know more about them and how they work, uh, that's what I would recommend to you. So. Yeah, and somebody can chip in if you want to. I know we got some guys that could probably be a lot more technical than me. I just know that it cleans up the the AC a lot. Oh, okay. So helps. he's saying he's got something. He's not sure if it's an isolation okay. transformer. He says maybe it's not. It's just a big box that's mounted to the bottom of the cabinet, and the first it's the first thing the power cable goes into might be called something else. So um, picture would be helpful here. So yeah. um, what you're you're just saying it's a big black box. I mean it could be. <clears throat> I mean it could be an old school like big blue style power supply in there. I don't know. I mean, you know, there's a lot of different things that could be this big black box. So send us some pictures, questions at arcaderepairtips.com, Matt. Send us some pictures of what you got, and we can probably identify it once we see it. Yeah, sometimes it's just a a power box. You know, they don't really describe it that way, but I mean, some of them just are where you can plug stuff in, or they just kind of 
to have your plug going into it so it's kind of protecting it's not on the outside of the game a lot of times there might be a fuse or something in there i'm not really sure without looking at it and matt did you is it matt yes did you say what kind of game it was matt yeah, give did. me a, give me an idea there too maybe that'll help something else i want to remind you guys is that if you look at the bottom of a mispack cabinet you're going to see um sometimes you'll see two transformers in there you'll mm. see an isolation transformer and you'll see an ac step down transformer right an ac step down transformer is to step down the ac voltage coming out of the wall to something that the board can use miss pac-man boards took ac voltage Tim. they took in seven 12 volts ac and the board converted that to dc okay right. and so you may and that that um transformer was traditionally bigger than an isolation transformer okay so it's possible you just have like an ac step down it transformer could be something old from you say it was an older cabinet or something say. something that converted yeah might not even be necessary these days exactly so send us some pictures questions at arcaderpairtips.com yeah. and we can help you identify it for sure uh, let's see what else we got. Joe Holt says, hit it with a leaf blower when it drops, power supplies overheat. It's mm -hmm. actually not a bad idea. <laughs> um, you know, uh -huh. if you want to hit it with a leaf blower whenever your power supply starts to overheat, hopefully your fan is functioning, I would say, in that. Yes. But a leaf blower could get that fan going again, too. If Maybe. it's just like getting stuck or something like that. That would so, be interesting if you put uh, the leaf blower on it, see if it didn't die yeah exactly you know kind of stay cool or something but right, exactly could be overheating for sure yeah uh hazel arcade says turn up to 5.1 thank you very much you guys are the best yeah just let us know and when it does drop out check that voltage hit it with that multimeter let's see what happens speaking of multimeters yes i think we should give away something exactly mm -hmm. so for those of you guys who follow us on social media we posted <coughs> a multimeter deal we did for an astro ai 4000 count true rms digital multimeter without a ranging functionality did i get all that in there i think so okay it was only 10 bucks tim so guess what i bought one and we're gonna give it away right now so if you would like to win this astro ai 4000 count true rms digital multimeter with auto ranging functionality you can send an email to contest at arcaderepairtips.com and make sure you include the keyword easter easter so just like uh, my little bunny thing here right mm -hmm, right so easter so again send us an email contest at arcaderepairtips.com now we would like you to put your mailing address in the email and the reason why is because i don't want to have to email you back uh, right. Tim, sometimes I email people back and they don't email me back. Uh -huh. And so make sure you put your mailing address and the keyword Easter, Easter in there. So, and send that email to contest at arcaderepairtips.com. Contest at arcaderepairtips.com. We need your mailing address and we need the keyword Easter in there. So if you get those two in there, you'll be entered to win this wonderful multimeter, which has a street value of $10 apparently. <laughs> but uh, Tim, it's hard to find an auto-ranging multimeter that uh, for, for sure. that price for sure. It's a good deal. Maybe you ordered one. Maybe you'd like to have two. So there you go. So we'll be mentioning this later in the show. But um, Tim, we usually give them about 24 hours or so and we will send that out once uh, once we get enough entries. Tim will randomly pick a number and we'll go from there. So Tim, we've already got, I forgot to mention this. We've got some donations already. Thank you. Guys. So um, the first one was up here from Matt. He sent us uh, $6.99 Canadian, okay, which I have no you. idea how much that is in American, but uh, we won't do we won't do the conversion. We're just thankful you gave us a donation. So thank you, so, Matt, so much for that. We really appreciate that. And then, Tim, we just got one in from Current Phonograph. Sent us $10 US, Tim. Thank and you. so we want to thank you, too. Thank you so much, Current Phonograph, for that. We truly do appreciate it. So uh, we love it when you guys donate. It means so much to us. It just, me it just shows us how much you value our content, right? All right. Thank you. So... Okay, Tim, let us go back here. I ha we had a couple of questions that we were still getting to. Um, Current Phonograph is back. He says, I bought a Dungeons & Dragons Tower of Doom, PCB, an A and B board, manual, which lists all the parts except cabinet, 
which is correct four player cabinet on that game can you still buy new so um i don't think you could buy the original i don't even know if they made a dedicated version of yeah, it. yeah i'm not sure either i think it was always a everyone i've ever seen looked like a kit so i have one Yes, As you, you know, do. it's in storage. Mm -hmm. I actually own one of these. The board was phoenixed by our good friend Raymond at arcadecomponents.com, mm -hmm. and it works great. But um, it is in a kit cab, which is just a Z-back cab, Tim, with a four-player replaceable, um, mm -hmm. four replaceable panel. And that's what I have mine in. I don't think... If there, there was a dedicated, I, I do believe that some people put them in the big blue-style cabinets, Tim, but they weren't always blue. They were sometimes black. And, and so I'm not sure if that would have been considered dedicated or not on that game. Now, as far as ordering that cabinet now, I don't know if there'd be a manufacturer that would do that. There may be a cabinet builder who would make something like that. Mm -hmm. And so if you check, the easiest way to tell what kind of cabinet a uh, game's supposed to go in is to look at the flyer. Mm -hmm. So find a flyer for the game and then look at the cabinet that they have it in. And that's probably as close to dedicated as you're going to get. There you go. Because, I mean, it's just a good idea. Typically, when they're trying to market the game, they're putting in the nicest cabinet that they can. Mm -hmm. In most cases, it'd be a dedicated cabinet. And so I would say check out the flyer for uh, Tower of Doom and see what cabinet they have it in. Tim... For some reason, I remember something that looked an awful lot like a big blue-style Capcom cabinet, but with a four-player joystick, and it wasn't blue, it was black. For okay. some reason. So don't quote me on that, but um, it is a fantastic game. One it of my favorite like games. I always see them in like a converted Ninja Turtles or something. Yep. It's always that NBA Jam style. And it's got a dip switch setting, so you can play with it in two-player, three-player, or four-player mode. Okay. Which is really handy. That's so neat. if you've got a two-player cabinet, you can play with it in two-player mode. Three- and four-player mode... What are you going to have to have, Tim? You're going to have to have a lot of buttons. And well, not only that, but you big, have to have wide, a, long a certain kind of harness. Oh, you're going to have to have a kick harness. Yep. For so sure. make sure that if you want to wire up the third and fourth player, I'm pretty sure you have to have the kick harness on there. Mm -hmm. so. You do. Um, let's see. Um, Junger Dynamiker, or Dynamiker says, I have a Sega Rally twin cabinet that is missing the seat adjustment. The original Sega part number can't be bought anymore. Any tips for a replacement part? Some car parts might work. Now, Tim... I would think that this would still be available from Play It Again. Am I wrong? Maybe. Okay, yeah. Play It Amusements? Excuse me, not Play yeah. It Again. Play It Amusements. Play It Amusements would be a good choice. Um, have you talked to Hap Controls about maybe one of their universal ones that might work with that? I'm not sure. I need to see a picture of it because I've never worked on that particular game. But I do know Sega parts, even if you found a dedicated Sega part, it'd be expensive. Yep. I would probably try to convert it with a generic cap one or something that all all it does is just a spring that, you know, moves and, and a rail that allows you to slide backwards and forwards. Um, I don't know that car parts would be the way to go but i but i haven't seen it so send me a picture i'll try to help you some more with that one and if you contact suzo hap if they have the part they'll be happy to sell it to you right For sure. <laughs> i mean they will be happy to um but find the manual find the part number google just the part number and see what won't come up maybe you can find some there's still some warehouses with some of these parts in there they would love to get rid of. But Suzo Hap, I would contact and Plate Amusements for sure. Because Plate Amusements still does, I think, all the Sega parts here. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking for Sega parts, uh, Plate Amusements, they're going to be they're, yeah, they're gonna be expensive, but you'll get one, right? Sure. But like you said, you may be able to adapt it. Maybe so. It may be worth adapting. So I would take it apart and just look at it and see what's going on with it. A lot of times it's just a spring or a washer or something that's not working. It may be something you could figure out too. Sure. It might maybe come up with a solution. Absolutely. Okay, Tim. Oh, Paul Gerace here, Tim. 
Hi, Paul. Uh, Hazeville Arcade on that D&D says we have um, an old big boy dynamo is what they have. Okay. So I don't know if that's the 33 showcase style or if mm-hmm. that's like just a... That's what it reminds me of. When you say big boy, I think showcase. Mm-hmm. But in uh, showcase was very popular for that game. I know that. So, mm-hmm. But there were some four-player dynamo cabinets too that did that as well. So, um, yeah. But I mean, look at the flyer for the game. That'll tell you what the cabinet's supposed to be. That's a good tip. Yeah. Okay. Here we go, Tim. Let's go to Marty. Marty says, Hi, I have two Cruise and Exotica sit-down machines that I've been trying to link. I was looking at the manual, and it said one machine has to have Dip Switch 7 turned on. It doesn't matter which machine I turn Dip Switch 7 on. They both will still say they're off. It's the same for 8 as well. So I looked online, and one site said to turn Dip Switch 1 off. I did that, and now the buttons in the coin door steering wheel and the pedals don't work at all. I turned Dip 1 back on, and it doesn't change anything. Sorry for the long story. My question is, did I burn up something on the main board so i think there's more to this story tim mm-hmm. i swapped the main board out of one of uh, uh out of the other one and into it and it works fine so he swapped the two boards tim and so. the working board still works and the non-working board does not work right okay um i was watching one of your videos and you said switching the dip switches can't hurt hurt it or mess uh can't hurt it just messes up settings this was well after I messed with it. I was going to buy a used board, but they're a good $300 plus. Any advice you could give me would be appreciated. Also, any chance you guys sell any boards? I was looking for the board uh, the board to convert from CRT to flat screen in another game. I got one for Amazon. It's bad. I have one that came in another machine. I swapped it in. It works. So I know I bought. I know that the one I bought was bad. Thanks, Marty. So, Tim, okay. let's answer that first question or the last question first. We don't sell boards, and as far as those video converter boards go, Tim, we pretty much buy them from the same place you guys do: AliExpress, Amazon, arcade parts suppliers, same places we get them from. Oh, and you know, those are the GBS eighty-two hundred style boards, eighty-two twenties. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, just return the one you got from Amazon, order another one, and you'll probably be it back in business. So, I, I mean, so. yeah, exactly. It's usually not. It's usually not a big deal. Now. Tim, let's get to the real problem here. He was trying to link the games. Okay. Okay, and so he's messing with dip switches just up and down, like doesn't right. really know what he's doing, just reading websites, telling him to do different things. And he flipped dip switch one, and now that board, will, I mean, now the steering doesn't work in that board, and the, the, the front coin door stuff doesn't work in that board. It's like, by flipping that dip switch, basically, it's like the whole thing just stopped working. Yeah. And so what do you think happened with that with that board? What is it that, I mean, was the flipping dip switch one really cause it to blow up? It should not have. I'm not going to say that it didn't. Number one, that we always say, remember, when you change a dip switch, the game needs to be powered off. Correct. And that's important, because... With power on, you're actually kind of shorting or going across something, and it could cause an issue But if you do it with the game running. So hopefully he didn't do that. Hopefully the power's off and you just turn the dip switch. Ordinarily, that wouldn't do anything in it of itself. Now, I have seen many a time just by working on something, uh, a, a ring, a screwdriver that I had in my hand, something hit something and could cause other problems. Uh, but it's probably possible that the switch is literally just stuck and so um you could actually read it with a meter and see what was going on uh to see if the switch actually so with the power off you could put it on continuity and when you turn it up does it beep or turn it down does it beep you know you could actually see is the switch itself working so um, i'm going to stop you for just a second here tim you're exactly right with what you're saying i did look up what that dip switch one controls and what that controls is is whether or not the cruising exata it Zotica is in a kit or in a dedicated cabinet. Right. And so if you were, it, let's say it was on the dedicated cabinet, which I mm-hmm. think was off, which is what he had it on, and then mm-hmm. you switch it to kit, 
Well, some of the stuff may not work because obviously, it, it you know, the kit has different hookups than the dedicated one might. Right. And like Tim mentioned, if you switch it back down, you know, it may not, it may not have, um, it may not have changed it back. We don't right. know. And so the fact that it's still not working, I think Tim has stuck. a good point. It could be stuck. So that, that's my guess is that you didn't fry anything. I think you just stuck something. I think it's kind of doesn't know what to do. This is my best sure. way to say that. Um, but having, without looking at that, we'd have to really do some digging and see, is the switch itself working? If that's the case, then what happened? Sure. You didn't do nothing else that could have caused it. Um, even on accident or something, because normally we were right, but I hope we did stress in the earlier video that you always want to do this with the power off. That would be just like, you know, plugging and unplugging stuff in there with the power on. There's a lot of stuff you could do that could easily damage stuff. So you don't want to be just flipping dip switches with it on. And most of the time won't work anyway. Right. It has to be off. Now, Tim, he did mention the thing, his whole, the whole thing he was trying to do was link the two cabinets. And I know that you've right. had linked cruising cabinets before you've worked on them. You had them at, at uh, cruise at, uh, excuse me, Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. And so with that in mind, I mean, what, what's the right way for him to do it? He was talking about <laughs> switches seven and eight and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, it seems like it was some dip switches, but you had to have a linking cable to right. do it. And so they had to be, physically connected to each other is there anything special about that cable that you can remember did it have to go to like a switch did it have to be a certain type of like cable or anything like that was it like network or was it just a standard it seemed network? like it was more like a network cable but it is we're talking been a few years now since i've done it sure uh but uh usually it was like a kind of like cat five type cable that we would plug up into one and had another place to plug in the other one and then you would switch it and tell it this more or less you were turning on a switch to tell it this is the main board right. and this is the other one. Now, there is, I think there's some soft dip switches too that you might can go into and tell it this to link gotcha. and stuff like that. I'm, in fact, I quite remember that. Seems like you had to go into the manual settings. Um, and I would be interesting, does that come up? Can you get into test mode at all? Right. You know, with this going on. This is a pretty difficult question uh, without knowing. Uh, a little more details, but hopefully we'll get him in the right direction at least. I would really want to know if it would was coming up if it would come up in test mode. Sounds good. So Tim, let me go ahead and, and put this back here for Marty. So let's check the Cruising Exotica manual to see what settings the dip switches allow you to change. On page 23, and Tim, I actually linked this down below, you will find that dip switch one controls whether the board is in dedicator kit mode. Changing this should not damage the board. Uh, but it can cause it not to work if it is set incorrectly. It's possible that the switch is still stuck, like you mentioned, Tim, in dedicated mode, even th or stuck in off mode, even though you turned it back on. Uh, check the switch with a multimeter to see if this is the case. Now, Tim, you said something very important, which is that we typically do not we do not change dip switches with the game on. Correct. Okay. Okay. So we don't know if that had something to do with it. If you were changing dip switches with the game on, that may have had an issue. And Tim, I believe in our video on talking about dead switches, I'm pretty sure we tell you you need to have the game off. Okay. Okay. So that is something to keep in mind. So if you did have the game on while you were changing these switches, it's possible that, yes, you may have blown something. Okay? Especially that chip right under there. Right. Exactly. Um, let's see. Um, you also find instructions on how to link the cabinets in the manual. So one of the things Tim didn't mention, but I remember him telling me this a million times, which is the only reason I threw it on here, is to keep in mind that the software versions must be the same. Yes. Okay. And I remember we've had problems linking games in the past. And a lot of times because one one game is on one revision mm -hmm. and another game is on another revision. The, the versions must be compatible. 
Okay, right. it doesn't they don't necessarily have to be the same. Same is the best. But if they're compatible, that's what we're looking for, okay? So and then make sure you are changing the correct bank of dip switches. Tim, there are two banks of dip, dip switches on the board. Correct. Okay? One controls the coinage and one controls the settings. Make sure you are changing the right one, okay? Uh -huh. That's very important as well. And Tim, I link to the manual. Go through the manual and check just all your dip switches and make sure everything is set the way it's supposed to be set. So I think if you start there, that's going to be a good place. And it sounds like you swapped the board, so we know that the problem is in the board. I think checking that switch to see if it's if it's still activated, mm. it's a good start because that'll at least tell us whether or not it's stuck. And it's possible that it got stuck or when you're using your screwdriver, you may have inadvertently like touched something yeah. on the board, which Easily. shorted something very common. So again, guys, if you're changing dip switches, please turn the game off first. Um, mm. It's just a good rule of thumb. So, um, but uh, Tim, anything else for Marty here before you move on? I don't think so. Okay. Well, Marty, hopefully that gives you a good place to start. Now we understand that uh, it may be uh, a little difficult. You may get through all this and your board may still not be working. Tim, there are several places you can send that board off for repair to if you need to. Mm -hmm. um, Eldorado Games is not cheap, but they will fix it, right, Tim? Mm -hmm. uh, is there anywhere else that you would recommend off the top of your head? We've got several people on our page, um, but they're probably one of the best at those type of boards. Absolutely. So Eldorado Games will get you set up if you want to repair on that board. But yeah, and, and considering that you did swap the boards and we're pretty sure it's a board issue at this point, if that dip switch is not is not stuck open like we were talking about or stuck in the on position then there's probably something else in the board that may be damaged so at that point it may be good to send it off to somebody for repair and like tim mentioned arcaderepairtips.com resources we have a whole board repair heading and you can send it to one of the guys there and they will definitely help you out not going to be cheap but it'll probably be cheaper than buying another board so i agree okay so there we go uh tim let me go ahead and check in with the live chat real quick i uh, let's see. Junger says, Play at Amusements might have the part I'm looking for. Great tip, guys. Spot on. So there you okay. go. Play at Amusements sells Sega parts. I mean, right. they, they are the official Sega part uh, North American distributor, right, Tim? I think so. So, yeah. I mean, they're going to have a lot of the Sega parts you're looking for. Uh, let's see. Uh, Nate says, I'm uh, for hooking up. Oh, he needs a crossover cable. A random Ethernet cable will not work unless using a router. And I thought this, Nate, this is one of the things I was getting to. Um, if you're just hooking two of them up, I'm pretty sure you do need the crossover cable. So mm -hmm. the crossover cable switches two of the pins on either side of a traditional Cat5 cable or Cat6 okay. cable. And I can't remember what those two pins are, but by doing that, it allows you to do a direct connect yeah. instead, of having, instead of having a router in between. Or a switch. So, uh, yes, I do believe a crossover cable is required for a second. And then those dip switch settings, Tim, just, just determine which one is the master and which one's the slave. Is That's that, what you know? I remember, yeah. Exactly. So you just need to make sure that one of them is set to master mode and one of them is set to slave mode so it knows which one's basically in control uh, of the setup. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, let's see. Uh, and uh, Younger also says a network switch would work. Yeah, so if you want to go with two Cat5 cables to a network switch, you could do that as well. Or Cat6 cables or... RJ45 cables, can I yeah. say that? So yeah, I was just go. thinking it looked like one. I don't know exactly what the cable is because we just always would buy them from HAP or right from the manufacturer back in the days. You exactly. Know? It'd already be ready to go. Mm -hmm. So, Okay, well, I think that does it for um, Marty's question. So hopefully that gives you enough detail. If you need additional help, please uh, don't hesitate to email us back and maybe we can help you out further once you've done some of the stuff that we've discussed. Right, Tim? Mm -hmm. Thank okay. you guys for chipping in, too. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, Tim, it's community here. Yeah, it is. We're all here. <laughs> so there we go. Uh, so, Tim, our episode is named The Police Trainer Ghosted on Me. Okay. <laughs> Here's the police trainer that ghosted on us, Tim. You know, I've got to name it after something mm -hmm. in the show, right? Right. I have a police trainer I'm working on. The issue is present before and after I install new caps and a flyback on the CRT. So I'm leaning towards the board. Okay. okay. The issue is when first starting up, the machine looks, 
looks perfect. But when shooting anywhere on the screen, the, the monitor picture goes ghosted, like white. But I'm still able to see the picture. The game operates normally while shooting. Every time you shoot, the picture ghosts in and out. Okay. Any ideas? <laughs> thing. So, I mean, so he... It sounds like Sean knows exactly what he's doing here. He does a cap kit. He does a mm -hmm. flyback install, Tim. We got basically mo really new components on here. We know it's good. But then, you know, first starting up the machine. Everything looks good. When shooting good. anywhere on the screen, though, I get this ghosted white all of a sudden. Okay. I'm still able to see the picture, but I just get this ghosted white. And so okay. with that in mind, what do you think is going on here with Sean's police trainer? Now, Tim, we have a police trainer right here, um, but it works normally. Right. So, um, but it's interesting that it happens when it shoots. Is right. that giving us a clue, you think? Yeah, because a lot of times that's normal because it's making a flash kind of showing that you shot. Right. Or, or you know, so, um, but the fact that it hits the trigger, you may, so the way a gun works, there's voltage that goes up through the gun. Mm -hmm. So you may be getting extra voltage coming back or something. It could be, sounds like there could be something wrong uh, that the board has some kind of issue because when that trigger is completes that circuit and it tells the board that and the board temporarily does something there's something going on with it that's that's what my first guess is there's probably a board type maybe a chip or something on the board or you have something physically wrong with the gun that's actually shorting when it does that so two things i would take apart the gun and look inside there for that so what he could try doing maybe is just hooking up one gun at a time and seeing if it does it with the, with with yeah. the one gun right yeah so like just hook up like the red gun and just play the game with the red gun on first player and see if it does it and then maybe try to do then unhook that one just hook up the blue gun to the one player and then see if it does it there right something Correct. like that would maybe tell us if it was a gun gun switch issue mm -hmm. um but it could also be a board issue is what i'm hearing right well, what you could do is unplug your gun and figure out the pinouts and just trick jumper wire to to shoot and see if it does it without the gun even hooked up and then you'll know you got something going on with it that'd be another way to do it yeah and I, a little I'm kinda, bit more difficult i think i'm leaning with you too it sounds more like a board issue because the fact that it's perfect like the monitor looks perfect mm -hmm. until we shoot shoot and tim we all know light gun games give us that big white screen but usually that white screen just flashes right and the way he's describing it, it's almost like that white screen stays up for a second okay but we still have all the rest of the stuff but we have the white screen kind of staying up longer than that second and then maybe it goes back to normal or maybe right. it stays ghosted it's like, like that. like something is telling it to stay longer right. than it should have. It should be, be really quick. And that's what makes me think it's maybe a board issue that something is telling it kind of, hey, stay here for a second. And then, you know, a little too long. The timer is kind of off. Right. Or, or like you were mentioning, if the switch got stuck. Right. Right. Like on the gun or something like that. Mm -hmm. I understand that one too. So let's go ahead and put this up here, Tim, so we can talk about it. On many light gun games, including Police Trainer, the monitor will quickly flash a white screen when the trigger is pulled. This tells the player that the gun trigger is registering with the game. Based on your description, it's possible that the white screen might be causing some of the ghosting that you're experiencing. If this is the case, it's definitely an indication of a board issue, like Tim mentioned. Now, with that said, it could also be the switch in the gun. That's possible, too. So jump ring, like Tim mentioned, jump ring the trigger switch pin on the board may help as well. Mm -hmm. So... Check the power supply. Always the first thing we want to do, we want to make sure voltage is good. Right, Tim? Always start at power. Right. Okay, SAP. Then run the diagnostic settings in the service menu. And Tim, I know this because, guess what? We got a police trainer. Okay, I could mm. literally turn this thing on right now. We could get into the dip switch thing. Right. right. So, I mean, there's a diagnostic setting that will run through all the chips. It'll make sure everything's working. If anything tests bad... 
It'll come up. It'll yeah. come up. So, I mean, the um, police chair is a very smart board. It's a yes. lot smarter than some of the other ones. So its diagnostics are very good. Run through all of the diagnostics, not just the graphics, not just the sound. Like, just run through all of them and see if it detects any kind of issues. That will give you a good starting point. And, Tim, it may be something as easy as, like, a um, cracked solder joint or a floating ground or something like that that you just need to touch up solder on and get it working again. It may be something that simple. In fact, it could even be... Um, the connection with the gun to the board because like those pins a lot of times are not the best soldered pins and you unplug them and plug them back in a lot if you're changing out guns a lot like at a location and so it's possible those pins could be damaged as well right tim so that's very very easily so i think that's where we want to go with this we want to check our power supply we want to check our pins on the board make sure everything's making good connections check our light gun and then run those diagnostic settings in the um in the service menu and make sure that everything checks out and i think at that point we should have a pretty good idea of what's going on whether or not it's a board or like an issue. Tim, anything else for Sean before we move on? I don't think so. Okay, well, Sean, hopefully answers your question. And good luck uh, getting the police trainer to stop ghosting on you. Is that oh, a good way to say it? So there you go. Uh, you just never know around here, Tim. <laughs> so, okay, I think we're still caught up on the live chat, Tim. Let us move on with Greg's question. The Regs are show, Tim, as you know, he uh, sends in questions from time to yes. time. And Tim, I thought this was a really good one here to put on the outline. So let me go ahead and bring it up real quick. So Greg is trying to make a replica Miss Pac-Man Galaga class of 81. And Tim, uh, this is a favorite cabinet among many people. It's it, it's so iconic. I think most people have played this version mm-hmm. of Miss Pac-Man Galaga before. It's almost at every every pizza place here in town, I think, Tim has one. So uh, he was wondering, though, what was the best replica joystick to get? Did, did the original use a leaf joystick? Mm. Mike's Arcade has a bunch of options, including the bracket that allows me to fit almost any joystick. I'm thinking about the Red Ball 4-Way Joystick Short from Mike's Arcade, but I'm wondering if there's a better option. Now, Tim, um, the thing about the um, the Class of 81 cabinet is that same newer style cabinet, right, right. Tim? And so it was not. It was made like in the early two thousands. Early two thousands. Early two yeah. thousands or late nineties, one or the other. And so um, it's been around a while, but at the same time, uh, Tim, I don't think it used leaf switches, did it? I don't remember the the dedicated ones. I've seen some conversions that were like a Miss Pac Man or something before, and they did. But I would say this: no one who get who sent the question. Greg is a player, right. <laughs> and he likes to score high. Um, Greg, most players that are real serious players and are going for uh, high scores and stuff prefer the leaf style because they, they, they can uh, adjust them and get them real sensitive or less sensitive, whatever your style of play. Um, so you might take that in consideration. Um, also, I like uh, the way the older style leaf sti- switches are a little thicker. Is that a better way to say it? Or a little heavier? Right. And uh, when I play, I kind of really have to push it to kind of get it to go over, you know. Whereas the newer style, you can kind of play with one finger kind of yeah. deal. Micro switch. Yeah, it's a lot more sensitive in some ways. So I would just say, Greg, especially for you, uh, on your player style, what do you like? And I think that's kind of what it boils down to. There's It's preference. Right. And... Uh, a lot of people, you know, they a lot of people uh, sell ones that are they say are for that game, but um, I would seem like the ones that we had that we've seen that were dedicated were all um, micro switches, and um, our friend Steve would wear them out all the time yep. because he would just he was really tough player, and they never re- really hold up. I, literally, uh, he played a lot, 
and every six months, you know, replacing a joystick on his game because or the switches because he just wore them out. I think and, uh, I think the leaf switches definitely have a little long longevity. I think you're right. Like leaf switches, I seen they seem to be a little bit tougher in most cases, Tim. They do. With that said, though, considering the age of this cabinet, Tim, that early 2000s, I mean, by that point, there weren't a whole lot of my, of leaf switch based games left. No. I mean, pretty much they weren't even like major manufacturer. To, manufacturers had already switched over to micro switch based joysticks at that point mm-hmm. and so with that in mind i don't think i've ever seen one that had leaf switches that weren't like converted from like a dedicated exactly yeah so most um, of the ones that were made new at that time had to have micro switch micro switches yeah exactly and so i'll go ahead and throw this up here it's too. kind of a preference really yeah i mean it really does but if you're looking for like what it originally came with we're pretty sure that the original versions of the Miss Pac-Man Gallic Class 81 cabinet had a HAP four-way micro-switch-based joystick installed from the fa- factory, just because that was the standard when they started making those cabinets. Now, Mike's Arcade, the joystick that you linked to, is probably the exact same joystick, to be honest with you. Several parts suppliers sell these HAP joysticks, with some actually stating they are for use in the Class of 81 cabinet, uh, including our friends at Twisted Quarter, Tim, mm-hmm. which um, actually, this link down here, which we have also down in the show notes, actually says... Namco 20-year anniversary joystick. joystick. Like, there it's actually go. what it is. And so, um, I'm pretty sure it was a macro-switched-based four-way joystick. But, I mean, there's, like I said, it was, they're probably all just that same HAP joystick. Too. Yeah. I mean, everybody has a different name for it because they all want to call them different things. But they all come from the same freaking factory. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it is what it is. But, uh, Regzer Show says, I like the Leaf for sure. When I play on the original Pac-Man, it just feels right. And that is true. When you play on a classic arcade cabinet, you definitely notice. Mm-hmm. But the Class of 81 cabinet has classic games, but it is not a classic cabinet. Correct. That's what I would say. And so with that in mind, um, it I'm pretty sure it used a micro-switch-based joystick from the factory. Yeah, and that's why I said, considering who sent the question in, uh, I, I, I had a feeling he would feel like that. The, the Leaf Switch may be better for you just because you're going to like the way it feels and plays, exactly. in my opinion. So, I mm-hmm. mean, it, I mean, a lot of it comes down to what you want. I mean, there's two schools of thought. Tim, there's one school of thought saying, I want this to perform just like it did from the factory. Right. And then there's another school of thought that says, I want this to play a certain way. Mm-hmm. Okay? So you always have to decide for yourself what you want. Do you want it to play like a classic arcade game? If you do, Leaf Switch is definitely the way to go. Or do you want it the way it came from the factory? If you want it the way it came from the factory, well, it had a micro switch in there. Probably so. so. I got micro switch joystick. So, I mean, it's always up to you as to what you want to do. Now, there, Greg, if you look, too, there is the there is the alternative where you have the little longer uh, arm micro switches that aren't just... Um, and some sometimes some people like those because it's kind of a middle in between the two. You're now, not just the micro switch with the arm lever. Yeah, on it. with the arm lever on it. Right. Now I would say that um, you know I I actually like them to, because I could bend them just a little and make them really sensitive so that you know I did barely have to hit up and it was going up. You know, and it helped me a little bit playing. And but I'm nowhere near the caliber player um, like some of you guys are. But uh, that'd be another alternative. I have seen a few joysticks. You look at the bottom where they have an arm, a little diving board coming off of it. And uh, that's kind of a cross in between the two. I think that's why some people like them. Absolutely. Um, and Joe says it depends on the game for him. Frogger needs loose switches. DK, you want them instant and crisp. Yeah, it really just depends on, on your preference more than anything. I mean, you know, uh, when I play the game, I want it to feel a certain way. But Tim, here's the deal for me. Um, I played fighting games a lot when I was a kid, and mm. so I want everything to have the 
Hap Ultimate 8-Way installed, because that is the joystick I played with. Right. Okay, and so, now, that that's when it comes with fighting games. Now, when it comes to classic games, I do like Leaf Switches, but, I mean, for me, a micro-switch joystick is not a deal-breaker. I would still play with a micro-switch joystick, and I'm fine. Yeah. For some people, it's a deal-breaker. Yeah. So, it just depends. So, Greg, hopefully answers your question, and uh, let us know what you decide to go with. We'd love to see a picture of your install on that. So I agree. Mm-hmm. Okay, Tim, we're getting close to the end of the questions here, and we have our rapid-fire quick question and answer section coming up here. So uh, without any further ado, are you ready for some rapid-fire here? I'm ready. Let's go. Okay, let me rapid-fire these bad boys out of here. (laughs) Um, First question here is from John, Tim. Can you change the price from $0.25 on an arcade game? Okay, pretty simple. The Luis Man says, does a 412-in-1 game off board include Super Pac-Man? Pretty straightforward there, too. And Matt says, when I'm connecting a kick harness, do I need to run the ground wire from the kick harness itself to the kick buttons? Or can you still use the ground wire that is daisy-chained to all the other buttons going back to the JAMA harness? Now, that one may be a little bit more nuanced, Tim. We have two that are pretty straightforward. Can I change the price of a game from $0.25 by John? Um, Does the game elf... 412 one has Super Pac-Man. And then Matt's, do I have to use the kick harness ground wires on the kick buttons? And so, Tim, with all that said, let's take John's question real quick. Can we change the price of a game from 25 cents? Well, on most games, it kind of depends on the game. There's settings that you can go into, um, and you'll just it just depends on the game. Sure. A, a lot of the older games, they may not have a 50 cent or more option, but most games... Um, I would say on most games you do, you can. Absolutely. Um, so, Tim, how do we typically change those? Just... You go into the dips, either a hard dip switch or you go into the test mode and it's a soft dip sw- switch setting. Most of the time it's a soft dip or you go into some kind of settings. Just check your manual. Okay. 412 game uh, game elf board here, Tim, by the Luis Man. Does it have Super Pac-Man? Everyone we've seen does. Yeah. And uh, we've seen a lot of variations of the 412 in one, Tim, but I think everyone has Super Pac-Man. Very common. Now, Tim, I thought this was probably the more the more nuanced of the three, like I mentioned. Do we have to use the kick harness ground wires on the kick buttons, or can we use the daisy-chained ground wire, ground wire on those kick buttons as well? You should be able to just... Uh, daisy chain it right it and if they're all connected and everything is fine um but it's not not a bad idea to run it to the harness board too if it especially if it's the extra ground wire that it might require on some boards right exactly depends on the board yeah exactly and i I really in most cases i think the daisy chain is fine but tell i'm in a habit of just wiring the kick harness the, like kind the kick buttons separate. with the kick. Yeah, exactly. Kind of separate from the rest of the JAMA mm-hmm. harness. Because, guys, when we're wiring a cabinet, what do we do? I do the entire JAMA harness, then I come back with the kick harness. Right. I don't do them at the same time. Mm-hmm. Okay? So a lot of times, I won't run the extra grounds necessarily. I'll use the kick harness grounds to do that. But it just depends on what your preference is. So mm-hmm. let's go ahead and summarize what we just talked about, Tim. So, John, yes, yes, you can change the game from $0.25 cents on most games. These settings are typically changed via dip switch or the test service menu. Check the manual for your game for more info. So if you're wondering about a particular game, John, just check the manual. The manual should be able to tell you if you can change the coin per credit and all that kind of stuff. On the Luis Man, yes, every var- variation of the 412 Game Elf board that we have seen includes Super Pac-Man in the game list. And, Tim, I took a screenshot for him. Okay. <laughs> okay, there it is. Okay, there we go. In Matt, in our experience, it's fine to use the daisy chain ground wires on the button switches that are connected to the kick harness. With that said, we tend to use the kick harness ground wires 
when we initially wire a game. Like like I said, when me and Tim are wiring, what do we do? We wire the jam harness up first. And we come back with the kick mm -hmm. harness. So we usually just use the grounds off the kick harness. It's just the way we do it. Um, but there should be no harm in using the ground wires from the jam harness. It's all the, it should be all the same ground if the game is wired, if the, if the board is laid out properly. should all be the same ground. So it shouldn't matter either way. So, Tim, did we forget anything on any of these questions, or we pretty much cover it? I think we got it. Okay, well, there you go. So, hopefully, answers your questions, John, the Luis Man, and Matt. And if you have any other questions about any of those questions that you asked us, let us know, and we'll help you out further. Oh, well, Tim, um, we're getting here to the mid to the midway point, getting close to the discussion section. I know we're going to be talking about your travels um, and things like that. So, do you want to move on, or you got something else to do? Well, we... Just as, well, we need to celebrate your birthday a little bit. I mean, we can. It's two days, to only two days ago, right? Yep. So, anyway, uh, everybody, as you remember, last year was my birthday was on the live show. Jonathan's was, yeah, last month, but um, Jonathan's was just two days ago. So, and uh, keeping up with the tradition of uh, we, we like to exchange gifts and stuff. Mine's pretty simple this year. Okay. But I did get you something, John. I like, John. I like, sam I like simple. All right. So. Oh, I got one, a birthday hat. You got the. You got. I got decorations. I was about to say. You got the hat. Okay, I'm gonna put this on. All right. You got. And then so this year, we got a card. Oh, I like cards. So, inside that card there, there are two things. Oh, I like that. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Hope the fun lasts long after the day is over. Happy birthday, Tim. And then Tim gave me a upper deck. Is this an '89? Yeah. An upper deck Nolan Ryan card. So, um, as you guys have not seen the game room before, <laughs> but literally this entire wall is pretty much dedicated. Well, half of it is dedicated to Nolan Ryan. So, for those of you guys who don't know, I've got a Nolan Ryan picture up here, um, and then I have the lenticular cards from Waterburger framed yes. up here. I've got the I've got another Nolan Ryan plaque up there. Huge Nolan Ryan fan when I was a kid. So, so um, I was going through uh, some of my cards. We'll talk about this some more in the after show. And I, this was one of my favorite cards, and I don't know why it, it was famous. It's it's not the most valuable Nolan Ryan card, but to me, it's a just a cool card. Yeah, um, he's throwing he's, a football. He's throwing a football, and it's in some of those that collect cards know it's a Nolan Ryan football card. Um, obviously, they said that sometimes they would toss around a football to help warm up, mm -hmm. and somebody caught him throwing a pass there. We think, what kind of quarterback would Nolan Ryan have been? Yeah. Can you imagine? Uh, so anyway, um, I just thought that was a cool card when I run across it. I have a I actually opened that out of a pack in 1989, <laughs> and it has been in my collection ever since. And uh, for some reason, I just thought, you know, if anybody would appreciate it, I think that you would. So I want to give you that. Also, we chipped in some money because we're having a birthday party for yes. you. Yes, and we'll talk about that here in a minute. But, um, yeah, so... Um we're renting a theater to see a certain movie, which we'll talk about here in a sec. Yeah. So, but thank you for thank you for the cash too. You're so welcome. The cash is very nice. Well, and I know that would help nice towards well. the uh, rent, the rental right. and stuff. Thank you. So you're very welcome, so. and uh, we'll keep that private. But at the mm -hmm. same time, that was just just something. Um, I actually had an older card, and it was and I I said I would give you. I think it was like a 1975 roller run. But when I looked at it, the condition was horrible. I was like, 
oh, it looked so much cooler when I was a kid. <laughs> I was like, I can't give in this one. This one was actually in very nice condition. Oh, yeah. In case we ever get it graded or something, I think it should grade pretty high. And I have an entire binder of Nolan Ryan cards still, mm -hmm. uh, and so this will go in my lovely binder. Thank you very much. Well, Jim. those of you who remember, this is a what's called, this is a card number 774, and so the only way you could get this was this was an extra set. It came in what they call the high numbers. So you had to wait. And they kind of was like a, a mid-season release where they had the high numbers. Uh, it's where Ken Griffey Jr. card and stuff like that came. So anyway, this is one of my favorite Nolan Ryan cards, and I wanted you to have it. Well, so. thank you, Tim. I appreciate this. So, now, we're going to be talking more cards in the after show. I don't yeah. want to get too bogged down in this, but if you guys want to talk more baseball card talk, because, Tim, opening day happened. While we it were, is. We're going to we talk were, some baseball. We'll talk some baseball here in the after show. But, Tim, this is awesome. Thank you so much, and thank you for the for some money to help us cover the theater rental. And we'll yes. talk about that here in a second, guys. We, um, for my birthday, I told my wife I didn't really want presents. I just wanted to rent a theater and hang out with all my friends so we'll yeah. be talking about what we're going to be doing here in a little bit but uh, tim before i go on um, and i got some happy birthdays thank you guys for the happy birthdays so um so uh, joe uh, he says the easter pack shirt is awesome yes like this shirt a lot that is so, a cool shirt i think i may wear it to the easter egg hunt on sunday if it doesn't rain we'll <laughs> Please. see um so without further ado though let me also say that if you guys want to win this multimeter, we're going to remind you, send us an email with your mailing address and the keyword Easter to contest at arcaderepairtips.com and we will randomly pick one of you guys to win this nice auto-ranging Astro AI multimeter. So we hope that you, again, contest at arcaderepairtips.com. We need your mailing address and the password Easter somewhere in there and one of you guys will win this nice multimeter. So, okay. So, thank you, Tim. You're and welcome. thank you guys for all the birthday wishes. Much appreciated. It was a good birthday, Tim. Um, I just kind of hung out, which is like my... I went to work. Right. I mean, because I'm an adult. I like the hat, by the way. We're going to keep this around for every, for every birthday <laughs> That's now. what I said, yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I just kind of hung hung out. My wife cooked for me. Um, I got some pie. I love pie. Mm -hmm. So, key lime pie is my favorite. Tim knows that. So, I got some key lime pie and a quiche. I like things that are round. Yeah. So, but uh, it was good. And I got some 7-Eleven Pac-Man stuff and some other things. So, uh, cool stuff. But anyway, Very now good. while I was celebrating a birthday, Tim went to Asbury Park, New Jersey and, and had a blast. I did. Like. I so, had a very good time. So tell us about your trip here, Tim. I'm going to put the pictures up. Well, I would highly recommend that you go to uh, New Jersey during spring break. Okay. There was nobody there. <laughs> <laughs> they all left. And I had the arcade to myself. No, it, if you'll um, look, Asbury Park is right on the beach. In fact, you can see... The ocean right back there and you can see there's nobody there there was a heart there might have been 50 people on the boardwalk total and so i looked up i always like to check out the local arcades and it said that silver ball was right up the street four miles from my hotel and so it said arcade and pinball and part museum so i thought that really caught my attention so and they had food so I went there, and we went to. I went to eat, and uh, you can show the picture, Sean. This yeah, is what I go. walked into. So, this is what it looked like on the outside. So this is the view from the front door on the yeah. right here, right? So that's what it looks like when you look out. You're actually on the beach. That's the back of the building goes towards the beach. This is the front faces the the street. Okay. So let's talk about some of the games you saw here, Tim. Okay. Now, we're going to go into overload here. I mean... You took a lot of pictures. Golly. That, well, it was... Um, and I, I see why, because golly, there were some great examples here. It was like, here. how can I take a picture of this and not take a picture of this, you know? So, and I, of course, I had a couple hours, and I was just an overload here. But as you can see, 
And see, they had like the marker, see the Pong game, and above it, it so so it's kind of like part history and part uh, gameplay. That's where the museum park. Yeah. In, right? So I think I paid. I think it was seventeen dollars of all you can play, and you just paid one price, which is worth every penny. And then I was enjoying reading about the games and the stuff. So that was the museum part. So we have a Pong. Uh huh. Uh, Battle Zone? Yeah, Battle Zone, which uh, Gorf, is a super good shape. Cabaret? Gorf, yeah, a little cabaret. A Tapper and a Baby Pac-Man. These are definitely games you don't see much anymore. Right. And this is just, like I said, this is the just one little area. We'll go on with more pictures. They're I'm going to read them just because if, they're, if you're listening to this on the audio feed, I want you to know what we're looking at. Okay. So if you're not looking at these cabinets like we are right now, you can check the YouTube video, but they look pristine. Yes, they were all restored and everything was working great. Okay, I'm going to move on here. We have a Disc of Tron. Disc of Tron. We have a, you yeah, don't we have see a that every day. Time Pilot. Yes. And I see um, some Donkey Kongs, a, a Popeye, a Frogger. Uh-huh. Uh, Asteroids, Pole Position 2, it looks like. Yeah. And I can't tell if that one is on the far end. Is that That's a, a, kind of, some kind of baseball game. It okay. was like a pitch and bat game. They had gotcha. some really old ones that were very fun to play. Okay. So all, and like, again, all these look pristine. That is a upright standard disc of Tron. That is not the environmental, right? Right. That is a standard disc of Tron. Still a rare game you yeah. hardly ever see. So um, let's see what else. Now, some pinball machines here, Tim. Looks like we've got a couple of electromechanicals here. I see a Kiss for sure. Yes. Um, and... That's a, um, oh, what's that one next to Kiss? Is that Xeon? Um, I can't even remember now. They literally had like hundred, over a hundred pinball games. Wow. And uh, so many. And I just, I guess I was trying to show that they kind of had them broken in different eras. They even had wood rails and stuff. And there's stuff. a Star Trek in that picture for yes, sure. Yes, there's an original Star Trek. Um, was there. Yeah. The original Star Trek was there. Centaur. I see the Centaur. Uh-huh. I'm not sure what that middle one is. I'm trying to remember. It's hard to see too in the picture. It yeah, back at the very fun. Probably. Um, so lots of cool stuff there. Let's see what else we have here, Tim. I see a haunted house. Yes. A gunfight. Yes. Um, I see. Is that in the? No, that's Demolition Man. Yeah, Demolition Man. Demolition was there. Man. Um, and this is Charlie's that, Angels. Charlie's Angels. I was about to say. No, they had Evil Knievel. They had the the one that gets the tokens. They had that. I mean, they just there's Austin Powers down there. They just had. I mean, there's it was almost like there were hardly weren't very many pins they didn't have. It was crazy. Sure. Oh, I went too they fast. Okay, coming. here we go. Um, so what's that? Is that that's an attack from Mars? That's a Captain Fantastic. Um, let's see what else we got here. Revenge from Mars. It looks like Tim. Uh huh. Twilight Zone. Yes. Um, and then you. I mean, I, there's electromechanicals kind of mixed in with some uh-huh. things too. Um, we'll go on here. They're really old, like Star wood Trek rails TNG and stuff. Right there. That's fun. Uh, and yeah, I was about to say some more wood rails right there. Um, there's a Flash space mission, Tim. Those yes. are pretty popular guys. I mean, golly, I mean, you can just see, it like just, you said, it's. I mean, it looks. It's I mean, kind of something for everybody. It was just so fun, to, and you know, I saw a lot of kids playing the old wood rails and stuff. That was fun to yeah. me to see them. And there's a fire, Tim. Um, fun house. I'm trying to see what that one is. Is that that? Is it? I can't tell. I know they is. had a medieval madness. If I didn't get a picture of it, whirlwind yeah. right there. Yeah. Um, is that Doctor Who? Yep. Um, and then. Uh, Joust Cocktail. Joust which Cocktail. You know, uh, Joust Cocktail Pinball. Yes. Not like a, not, not the video game. Right. So um, the pinball version, which we played at Pinball Festival uh-huh. before, I think I've seen. Um, but Tim, there's something new in here too that you got to play. Which oh, yeah. We're about we'll to get, get to, to it. I see this old style crane here. Tim. Yeah. Just thought that just some cool stuff like that. You, it's all Once you pay the one price, and that was really fun to play. 
And then I also see an Evil Knievel, like you mentioned. Uh, that's a Tiger Heli. That yeah, that was some kind of gun game. You see, it's a gun game. Yeah, a lot, a lot of stuff like that. Here it is, Tim. All right. So yeah. you got to play this. So we need to hear your impressions of it. For you guys who are not watching, this <laughs> is the Godfather by Jersey Jack Pinball. This just came out. Yes. And and they so had it. They had it. He was like, "Hey, make sure you play Godfather." I'm like, "You have a Godfather pin?" He's like, "Just got it." I was like, "Let's play." Yeah, that's right. And uh, I was like the only person playing it too. I just like. Because, you know, you feel bad. Like, does anybody else want to play? Nope. Okay, sorry. <laughs> you know, so I just kept so, playing it. Um, you didn't take any more pictures, but give us your impressions of Godfather. What did okay. you think of it? Now, you've played um, you've played a lot of the other Jersey Jack games. I know you played Wizard of Oz. We've played um, Dialed In. You've played... Um, have you played Pirates before? I don't yes, know. Okay, he had Pirates. all them. Right, you he played had, Toy Story 4. Yes. He had every Jersey Jack pinball game there ever was. Wow. They were all there. I didn't take a lot of those pictures because I figured we'd talk about it. Yeah. Uh, being from Jersey... Guess what he didn't have? What? Any Stern pinballs. <laughs> any new ones. He didn't have any Stern pinballs. But he had every Jersey Jack pin there was. So I got to play them all. Uh, Godfather was very fun. Of course, if you ever notice, like, it, it's hard to really get the good deal on a game when there's a lot of noise. Yeah. It wasn't, wasn't I'm not going to say it was noisy. I'm just saying I would love to have just that game and just sit there and play it and learn the rules. I'm just playing because sure. it's fun, and it was there, and it did some really cool things. So how did it compare? You, you, you recently played Toy Story 4, yeah, which was the last Jersey Jack release. So if you're looking at Toy Story 4 and Godfather, what did you like about each one, and which one did you like better? I would definitely say that there is a different play style. For some reason, I really liked the Toy Story 4. It was just fun. I think it's a great, and it kind of has that kid's theme. I think it's a game that if you're not, you're like me, I am not a real pinball player. I'm an appreciator and I like to play, but I'm not in tournaments and stuff like that. Um, I just, and I like, so I like a game that I can go to for the first time and feel like I got a, if I pay a dollar, I want to, I don't want it to drain three balls in two minutes and or less and I'm out. Uh, Toy Story to me is kind of that, it's just easy to play it flows really good. This is a lot more to it. Okay. And so, you know, it's a little trickier. I'm watching. I'm trying to figure out what's going on, and I'm balls draining, you know. So, uh, fortunately, I did get to play a lot. Now, if I had my personal collection, I definitely would love to have this one because I think the more you played it and the more you learn the rule set, it's definitely a player's game. Okay. I think that Toy Story is just more fun gotcha. in a way. Maybe so, I can say it that way. Was there any game that... Godfather remind any other pinball machine that Godfather remind you of when you play it? Is there something comparable that you would compare it to? You know, um, no, I don't know. It was so different. I, I I can't really think of anything off the bat. It played like a typical Jersey Jack game. Um, if you notice how that you don't you don't get a super really high score. Um, you know, some of the points and stuff are just a little more probably realistic. You don't hit million dollar shots left and right. Things like that um, doesn't have you know it wasn't like you were hitting ramp after ramp after ramp uh, kind of a stern deal sometimes where that flow is you're just you're in the zone. This is more going all over the place and it's really it was so I, I would need to play it some more probably to get a more accurate description. I was just so happy it was there and having so much fun. And probably a beer or two. But at the same time, I was just having a good... I was really in overload. Guys in the chat room, if you've never been there or you live near there, I mean, just can imagine walking... See, in the front of that building, 
and then going around and walking into that. Mm-hmm. I just was not expecting that. And that the pictures really aren't doing it justice. There's, I could have taken 20 more pictures. And they had a little party room, and they had a little... I got some pizza, which was really good. Like I said, best time of the year to go. If you're within 100 miles, it's worth stopping for. Okay. That's how good it was. Okay, I want to come back to Godfather. Okay. Because I know there's probably going to be some other questions. Um, were there any modes or anything it, that just really got you? It just you? really lights up very bright. Okay. And I would say that, so, um, which in my old age is really good. You know, so you ever play a game that's kind of dark? To yeah. me, even uh, Wizard of Oz, it, it, for all the colors and stuff, it's kind of dark. It's mm-hmm. almost hard to see in certain areas. That's what I liked about this one. It's very lit, very bright. I could follow the ball. Uh, a lot, and uh, so that helped me a lot to play it. I just it was just fun. I can't remember. Um, I did get a couple multi balls. You know, of course, it's been a few weeks since I played it, but it was just I just was having a good time. I was just so in overload. Number one that I even had it there, and uh, but I definitely would highly recommend playing it at least. I don't know that I would probably ever own one just because the prices for everything are so crazy. But at the same time, if you had a chance to play it, I don't think you'd be disappointed at all. It kind of reminded me of a little bit of whodunit kind of deal. It had a lot of, you know, hit it here to unlock this and do this and do that. And, you know, and like I said, the rule set seemed pretty deep to me. But again, taking into consideration I'm not a professional player. Somebody else said, really? That rule set was stupid easy. I don't know. This is my opinion. It seemed pretty deep to more that I felt like I could play it. Now, it was kind of my first couple of games were pretty quick, to, but the more I played it, the better I was getting, the better I was, wasn't kind of looking here and there. It has a lot of flat, lot of color. You can see the play field uh, is really lit up. I'll throw it up here one more time. I, I just so. thought it has a fantastic look. And uh, I could, you know, like I said, couldn't hear all the things that were saying. I didn't have the sound turned way up, and you got a ton of noise going on in that place, a lot of games going on. Uh, but not noisy, not uncomfortable noise. Now, a lot of times Jersey Jack games have the little headphone. Too bad you didn't bring your head. Right, I could have brought my headphones. That would have been jack in it. That would have been awesome. Well, I'm glad you got to play it, Tim. It sounds like you did like it. It sounds like Toy Story Four though is more your favorite, right? I, I just, to me, just to walk up and play a game. I played a game of Toy Story Four. You would have thought I was a professional pinball player. People were watching me, and I looked like I was just. It's a little bit faster play, a little less deeper rule set to me. That you know, it was just simple. Right. I'm just hitting ramps and hitting ramps and hitting ramps, and you know, I'm scoring. And I think I did get one of their top five scores, but that was really unusual for me. This game was way different. I was like, you know, I didn't play very long at all the first couple of games. I'm just like, where is this? Is it was a lot on that play field. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Sounds yeah. like you still had a good time with it. Oh, I had a blast. So, and loved, it sounds like you had a good time overall. I love to play it. Yeah, and just, like I said, if you're within 100 miles of that place, Asbury Park is kind of central New Jersey shore, right up the shore, uh, probably an hour and a half maybe from New York City, I guess. I'm not sure on that. Um, but um, Philadelphia, you're about an hour and 15 minutes. So not too far a drive. You okay. know, it'd be worth it for the weekend. Okay, well, sounds good. Well, thanks for telling us about your trip, Tim, to the Silver Ball Retro Arcade in Asbury Park, New Jersey. Hopefully you guys will get a chance to check that out. And if you do, let us know what you thought. We'd love to hear it in the comments below. 
Well, Tim, without any further ado, let's get into the discussion questions. And Laura, and uh, we got several of them this month, Tim. We got a lot of news this month. This right. is a packed out <laughs> month for, for kind of video game and arcade related news. But Tim, we posed this question. We kind of briefly talked about it on the last episode or we teased it saying that we were going to have this question coming up that we were very interested in. And so now the post went live and we can talk about it here. So let's talk about this real quick, Tim. Do you tip game techs? Okay. That's the question. So um, for all those who are in the live chat, maybe this is a question that you'd like to answer. So a user on the Dave and Buster's Reddit page posted a question recently about tipping game techs. We okay. thought it would make for an interesting discussion. So what do you think, Tim? Should you tip them? If you are a game tech, have you ever received a tip? So um, <laughs> those are something something for um, the live chat there. But, you know, Tim, it's been a while, but I thought that we would bring back everybody's favorite segment, <laughs> the arcade okay. debate. I think it's been at least like a year since we've done this, Tim, but we are going to do it again on this topic. So tonight's arcade debate topic is, as a customer, should you tip the game techs at your local arcade location, Tim? Okay. So... Guys, we are going to set this up just like we normally do. We are going to debate, and I'm going to go ahead. We're going to get our boxes. I'm going to get ready. Here we go. We're getting ready to fight here, and uh, we're going to do a reset real quick, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll debate it. Let's do it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Arcade Debate segment for this evening. Tonight, we have quite a conundrum for you guys. What should you do about text, game text? Should you tip them? Is that something you should do? We recently discovered a post on the Dave & Buster's Reddit page saying that he, a certain customer tips his game techs at his local Dave & Buster's location. So with that in mind, we thought that we'd bring this up for our arcade debate. So what do you think? Should you tip game techs at your local arcade location? So me and Tim will debate this right now. Tim, I send it to you. What do you think? Should you tip mm -hmm. arcade game techs? text now i think i know where you're going to fall on this considering you were one at one point okay but why don't you go ahead and tell us what is your what is your argument so <laughs> okay well i'll see if i take the side that you think i'm going to take john i would say no i would think that um it's not a low-paying low-end job that depends on tips um i think it is your job to keep the games running and operating looking like new it shouldn't be something that you're tipped for Having said that, I'm sure there are circumstances. What about you, John? Well, I will take the yes on this, Tim. So I will take the opposite of you. I thought you would definitely come down on the yes on this, considering you, you were a game tech, but I guess I will have to take the yes on this. <laughs> so I will give you the reasons why we should tip game techs. Now, I will take the argument that you just made, Tim, and the fact that it's their job, but guess what? It's also a barista's job to make mm. that coffee at Starbucks for me, but I still tip that person too, Tim. Right. So I'm just saying, I mean, when you go to a location that has pristine games... Doesn't that game tech deserve maybe a little bit more than what he's working, what his average salary is supposed to be? I mean, because, you know, game techs vary, Tim. Some are great. Some are not so great. Shouldn't those that are great maybe get us something a little extra? That's my point. What well, you I can see your point, Jonathan, but at the same time, it's not a uh, service type of industry. Most of them don't speak to you. They don't. They, they just, they're there. They're there to do a job. It's kind of like a mechanic. Um, uh, you know, they're already charging enough to, for you to play games. Uh, it's built in the price for their salary and stuff. So I don't see that it's necessary. Now, having said that it's necessary to tip, uh, doesn't mean that I don't think that it, for really outstanding service that you shouldn't. But I don't see that it is something that uh, would be the norm throughout everywhere. Well, now I understand that too. Now, there's a difference, Tim, between expecting a tip 
and giving somebody a tip. Okay, Agreed. now I don't think that necessarily game tech should expect to be tipped, like right. some industries are. Like when you get an Uber or something like that, you kind of expect if you're the driver, you're going to get a tip. I'm not saying that, but at the same time, what I'm saying is that if you find a particularly good game tech, you should tip them. Now, am I wrong? Okay. Well, if you got a good game tech, they they should be the place that you frequent. And by spending money there, you will keep them employed. And by telling your friends, or maybe you can write a nice post about how clean and nice the games were. A lot of times, those do more in the long run than just a short-term run. I mean, if you're going to do a life-changing tip, maybe a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars, why not? That'd be great. But really, a few bucks, uh, and maybe maybe he he can buy some Starbucks when he gets off of work. But I don't see it's necessary. If he's doing his job, which is what he should be doing, um, then he's getting paid a decent salary. It's normally not included in something that you would a service that you would tip for. Well, now I understand. Again, I think I think here where we're having the disconnect is you're saying normally, okay? And I understand that I'm I'm the same way. I don't know if this is something I would normally tip for. All right. But I'm saying I go into a location. All the games are pristine. I see a game tech working just round the clock, going from game to game to game, cleaning, scrubbing. Fixing every coin jam, fixing every bad monitor. I mean, I see this guy literally running around the arcade fixing everything. I think that I might slip a $5 bill in his pocket. I'm well, just saying. As a former game tech, I would have taken... seemed like the only tip I ever got was if I was bussing tables. <laughs> uh, and somebody would leave something like that. But I think it is a good idea. And we can end and we can see what the group says. You know, for instance, like you're saying, if the games are pristine, if it's better than the average game room... If or maybe they interact with your kid, maybe or, or with you, or they teach you how to play. I like to go where the game tech maybe will show you a tip or a trick or something. Uh, I've seen them play with a kid here. Let me show you how to win this or do this or something. Sometimes when they really go out out beyond, but that's any service, right? Whether it be a cashier or the cook or whatever, anybody that goes above and beyond. But I think that I just don't. I wouldn't like to see the industry. Uh, pay them less salary thinking that they then then they'll have to get more tips i don't want it to become like that i don't want dave and buster saying well yeah how about we just put a sign or a jar out there that says tips but we're not going to give you a raise next year you're going to have to earn those tips i wouldn't want to see that happen well point taken tim and i think we'll end it there and we'll let the people decide what do you think is it is it okay to tip game text is it, i mean is it something that should be expected or not i mean what do you think let us know in the comment section or down below and and give us your opinion we'd love to hear it but uh, i think me and you can both agree tim it's probably not a regular thing but i definitely think that if you find a good game tech maybe worth slipping them a little bit of money just saying so you guys, thank you for watching tonight. We hope that you, we hope to see you back here soon. And thank you for joining us for the arcade debate. Okay, Tim. Done. Well, one of the best things I think that um, ever happened to me was when I was a, a tech and we had a lot of regular customers. Uh, I remember one of them owned a um, like a massage parlor or something. And for Christmas one year, they were like, you know, all year long, you're always been good. So they gave me like a free uh, gift certificate or whatever to their massage place. I thought that was kind of cool. So sometimes um, I would, if you were going to do it, I would do it kind of big. You yeah. know, something that really says maybe this is your favorite location. I do think it's a good idea. I think that, and I, I thought I'd just take the no just to be fun. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, I think it's a great idea. Um, what about you guys in the chat room? Have y'all ever 
had an extraordinary experience or just, you know, that's one thing when I was at that arcade in Asbury, I couldn't believe how working everything was and clean. I mean, you saw those pictures. I was just like, there was not, I didn't, if they had a game down, they did a good job about pulling it off the floor, whatever. There wasn't a game on that floor that wasn't lit up and playing. Yeah. So that was So good. let's go to the live chat real quick. Joe says, no tips, but you guys look super young in that picture, if that's <laughs> even Jonathan. Yeah, that's still me. So um, actually, you know, the thing about it is, is that I lost weight. Like, I used to be heavier. So um, back, actually, I'm in better shape now than I was in my early 20s, if you remember, too. Uh-huh. So I mean, you know, so yeah, it's still us. We're still there. Um, let's see. Um, Steven says, I, I always do when they come to repair my pen. So that may be something different, Tim. What if somebody comes to your house... And fixes your games. Do you tip them? Yeah, that's an interesting question because that's a service. Yeah, but a lot of times that built in the price. It kind of depends on the price. Let's say that uh, they estimated it would be three hundred dollars, and they get there and they're honest and they say, "Man, I found the problem. It's only going to be a hundred dollars." Well, man, I'd love to turn around and say, "Well, here's one hundred fifty or two hundred because if I'm, but you know, most of the time that's that is a service. And so, based on their performance or overall savings, sometimes it's just really expensive, though. And if if they're working for a corporation or something where they're getting a lot of that, then I would uh, kind of tip them. Kind of like movers. Let's right. say movers. Movers come. They do a good job. It's a local moving company. You know that if you give them an extra 50 bucks, that's going to his family's table that night. Uh, you use a nationwide moving company. You give them 50 extra dollars. They may never even see it. So sometimes maybe I would consider something like that. Uh, current Phonograph says says that's ridiculous. Okay. So he, he comes in you. Jumping General says, if you guys will come um, open an arcade in 2024, I will tip everyone. So. <laughs> right. For sure. Uh, you know, I mean, I think it really just depends on, um, on how it goes. I mean, I, I think if I go into a game room, like I said, and it's pristine... And I can tell that the guys have been hustling really hard. Yeah. I'm, oh. probably, I'm probably going to throw you a little bit. Because, I mean, here's the thing, Tim. I don't always go to the same arcade all the time. And so it may be I'm just, like, you were just in New Jersey just for a, a little bit. Yeah. You may say, you know what? I'm going to throw these guys an extra five. I mean, not not just because I know you guys are doing good work. Or well, it's kind of like um, we like to get food to go a lot. You know, like we'll just call ahead yeah. and go pick it up. You know, on my way home, I'll call a restaurant and pick it up. I used to never tip because... Nobody waited on me. Nobody brought me a drink. Nobody did that. And then one of uh, my daughter's friends was working someplace. She goes, oh, man, I hate working over there uh, on that line because we never get any tips. And we have to spend all that time bagging it up and all this stuff. And ever since she said that, I was like, you know, that is, they put napkins in there and they sack it up for you. I'm like, and when I get it home, if it's hot or it's bagged correctly and it's food's not all over, I'm like... You know, I really should start tipping. So sometimes it doesn't always, and so it's not like I give them ten or fifteen dollars or anything. But sometimes just if it's twenty three dollars, I'll run it up to twenty five, or I'll just throw a couple bucks cash. Um, I think that um, realistically, um, we should should probably tip. And if anybody, heck, um, I had a cashier the other day that was just so friendly, and you know, and and I was like, I normally don't tip a cashier, but. For whatever reason, I was playing in cash, and I had $2 left. I told her, just keep the change. I said, you were so friendly today. And, um, you know, customers can were, were not being very friendly, and she just handled her business really well. So I think we should look for more opportunities in any field that we should to tip more people, 
if they're doing a good service. Uh, but so, but so everything's just gotten so expensive as it is. You know, it's like you're already paying so much. Um, my boss would have just said, you know, um, you you should you should do that because it's your job, right? But uh, Joe says, um, you always tip the movers, but no game checks. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing: I do think that we've gotten in. I think tipping has we've gotten to like. Uh, what's the word? We're getting into like an over-tipping culture. And what I mean by that is not people over-tipping. It's that we're getting hit up for tips everywhere. Right. Okay. It's like every everywhere I go now hits me up for tips. Yeah. Like everywhere. And, it's, and I understand that. And so I'm not talking about on the regular. I right. wouldn't say like you're not tipping your game tech on the regular. Yeah. You're at the gas station. And they got a tip jar right, right in front. Exactly. I'm like, I What'd just paid 60 right. bucks for a tank of gas. You now, know, if it's full service, that's different. Yeah, that's different. But I'm just all you did was ring me up. Right. I mean, what are you doing? You know, right. you, I, it should be for something a little bit above and beyond the exactly. normal. So if you see a game tech doing something above and beyond, why yeah. not give them a tip? They don't have to be much. Or like Tim mentioned, you could go big if it's somebody if it's a place you frequent all the time and the guy's always in there doing a good job. Go big. Yeah. You know. So, but uh, I thought it was a good. I thought it was a good debate, Tim. That's well, a good debate, and, and I'm glad interested to see different people's opinions, but. The most thing is, is just, you know, um, I've never regretted giving a tip. Uh, in the end, I don't really remember. I just, um, you know, you, you err on the side of giving too much. Yes. <laughs> if you're going to err, err on that side. People that, especially those workers that really do depend on tips and that work really hard for those tips, um, you know, err on the side of giving too much, not too little. Absolutely. Now, Tim, there's another thing that came up on the Dave and Buster's Reddit page that I wanted to bring up. Okay. We did discuss this too on the on the social media pages. Um, do patrons respect arcade games? No. Uh, customer Dave and Buster's <laughs> recently noticed that the air hockey pushers are now tied up to the cabinet. His theory was that it kept people from stealing them. This begs the question posed above: Have you ever seen patrons disrespecting games? What did they do? And Tim, if you go back on our social media post, you will find a list of all the things <laughs> people have done. Um, Here's the thing: you always got a couple of bad eggs in there that are gonna that are gonna be rough on games, mm-hmm. uh, and it doesn't matter what your location is or where you're at. Um, you're always gonna have some incidents where people aren't respecting the machinery and aren't aren't taking care of it. It's anywhere you go, mm-hmm. okay. And I mean, we do our best to prevent that. Tim, when we ran a, a location, we did our best to try to prevent that kind of stuff. But sometimes it happens, mm-hmm. okay. I mean, you you can't you can't prevent everything, and so it's frustrating. When you're a location owner and you have to repair something that somebody else purposefully broke for the most part. But Tim had never discouraged me from from continuing to operate games. That was yes. never the reason why we got out of it. And so um, the vast majority of people are great, I feel like. Mm-hmm. But all it takes, as you guys know, a couple of bad eggs can really ruin it for the rest of us, right? I yeah. mean, it's all it takes. And it really sucks that that's the case. But that's usually how it is. And so, you know... Um, uh, Tim, we had people break into our games on mm-hmm. one of our locations, and now you got to do something different because people are breaking into your games. Now the operator has to respond. Got to put bigger locks on there, whatever yeah. it is. And it's like, well, man, you know, I'm, and and so, or you'll see a game that maybe um, had a piece of plexiglass. They put a metal panel there because they don't want people breaking into it. And it's like, man, now I can't see as well or whatever. And it's like, it just happens. We've got to we've got to adapt with everybody else. If the games start getting broken into, we got to adapt to that. You know. For sure. So I mean, it, it sucks being mm-hmm. on the um, on the operator end on that because you know it's kind of like you know if somebody will do something, you kind of have to respond. But um, it's never deterred us from operating, and I think that's what most of the people said on Facebook. Tim was that mostly most of the people who are arcade owners said, you know, yeah, bad stuff happens, but 
you know, we just deal with it, basically. And it's part of the price of having a public-facing right, business. I guess one of the questions I would, would pose, if you saw somebody disrespecting a game, would you turn them in to oh, the management or something? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. yeah. I think would in you most say cases, something to, yeah. to I them? think in most cases, um, it depends on how egregious. Right. If it was pretty bad, like if there were some kids throwing skee balls at like a monitor, mm-hmm. I would probably say something right there right. to the kids. I mean, right. just like, don't do that. Uh-huh. You're going to break something and hurt somebody. Right. You know? I mean, it's like safety things, right? Mm-hmm. Any kind of safety thing I think you have to really talk about because, I mean, that's important. But like if they're just, if they're just, I don't know, if they're just being dumb or something and, yeah. you know, just, you know, I mean, that I'm, I might be like, oh, whatever kind of thing. It just really depends. Um, Nate says, as an operator, I deal with this every every single week. Just today, kids were running on top of the uh, air hockey table, jumping on the control panels, and sitting on top of the arcade games, taking photos. Mm-hmm. We see this at auctions a lot. Mm-hmm. The nice thing about arcade games is they can take being sat on <laughs> a lot of times, right. I've noticed. But um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't personally sit up on top of an arcade cabinet, but at arc- auctions, we've seen people do it for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, that kind of stuff, I mean, I just hate that we that we live in a world where that kind of stuff happens. I feel like now, Tim, we need to put beds of nails on top of all of our games mm-hmm. so people won't climb on them. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's. I hate that we have to adapt like that. You know Me what too. I'm saying? I mean, but it is what it is. A few bad, a few bad apples spoil the whole bunch. It seems I like. sure do. So, and uh, that was a, uh, that was a, uh, uh, oh, what's the people? Uh, uh, that's a song by uh, whatever the group is. I forget. So, <laughs> Somebody sang I'm it. I'm old. So. Okay. <clears throat> but anyway, so there you go. Uh, it was interesting, though. You can go back to the Facebook page, like I said, and see what all the people said. But okay. For the most part, it didn't. You know, people were pretty... Um, people were just like, it's just part of it. So, Next little part here, Tim. How The Last of Us recreated a 2003 arcade with the help of true enthusiasts. And, uh, Tim, you and I mentioned in the last episode in the after show that we watched The Last of Us. And it was so cool to see this uh, Raja's Arcade scene come, uh-huh. you know, uh, come on the screen and just see... All the games. They did a really good job with it. And so, um, The Last of Us HBO series went to great lengths to recreate a 2003 mall arcade for a recent episode. KLOV members Josh Brown and Chance Johnson, who together make up the Canadian arcade here on YouTube, consulted with HBO on the episode. The duo unpacks a lot of tricks, workarounds, and concessions necessary for the scene. And Tim, on this uh, Mortal Kombat 2, they said that they had, I think, a um, a vertically mounted 42-inch monitor in this cabinet that they had recorded all of the all they had recorded all the scenes of them ah. playing Mortal Kombat and then put filters on it to make it look like a CRT. Okay. And that was how they actually recreated the Mortal Kombat wow. 2 playing. Okay. And so I mean that's a lot to work with, right. but it does I mean it looks great in mm-hmm. the video for sure. So uh, really cool, but you should read the whole article there because it kind of breaks it down. And you can go back and read the KLOV posts too, where they talk about all of that. But uh, great job by them because that scene really did look super authentic uh, mm-hmm. when it came up. Uh, it definitely was a, a highlight of the show for me. So 2003, was there any arcades left, Joe says. <laughs> you know, we had an arcade here till like 2011, 12. I yeah. mean, and it was a nice one. Yeah. Yeah, CyberZone. I still see one every ca- occasional here and there. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I mean, yeah, there were arcades, so... I mean, you know, people forget, Tim. It's like, you know, it's it just, I mean, you know, obviously they've fallen out, but now we see a resurgence, right? Right. I mean, now there's definitely a resurgence. So, but if you saw that, you probably saw that scene. And Tim, is just a cool scene to see, for sure. Great scene. <laughs> so, uh, Tim, we also posted this, this Defender Arcade uh, rebuilt to settle a childhood memory. And Tim, I <laughs> love this cabinet. It It uh-huh. is a miniature arcade Defender. I it really it. is. It's so cool. 
Uh, Jason Winfield had a nemesis, the Defender Arcade Machine. Having put quite a number of coins into one during his childhood, he since found himself as a seasoned maker and decided to hold a rematch on his own terms. For this, he recreated the machine from scratch, building it around the guts of a Dell laptop, Tim, so it's okay. an emulated, emulated version. And he tells us the story what about what it took to build the new Defender in this day and age. And Tim... Um, I don't know. I mean, obviously it's emulated, but mm-hmm. man, it looks it looks nice. Yeah. I mean, it looks like it looks like a tabletop defender would have looked in 1980 with the wood grain and everything. <laughs> uh, if you guys have a chance to check out this article from Hackaday about it, you should. And he has a YouTube video that he he um, describes how he built it and everything. Definitely worth checking out if you haven't already. Nice. Okay, Tim, here's the one for you. <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese still uses floppy disks to control its nightmare machines. That's the title of the article <laughs> from Gizmodo, Tim. So TikTok user Showbiz Pizza Man, who goes by Stewart, documented how his Chuck E. Cheese uses floppy disks to load the character shows. Stewart shows the floppy disk, which reads Evergreen Show 2023, and loads it into the dusty computer looming over him. After a few moments of bleeps, boops, and flashing lights, Stewart pans to the monitor attached to the computer tower, which spits out lines of seemingly gibberish code in black and white. And mm-hmm. Tim, you can confirm that this was the case as of you working at Chuck E. Cheese. Correct? Yes, when uh, we went to disc, probably about 2016, it was probably that late, uh, t- maybe around the 2015, somewhere uh, after 2010 for sure, we went to uh, um, a DVD, uh, which you just popped a DVD in. But, but always before that, you would get the floppy disk and you would put it in there and you would load it up and then turn it off and then put the disk in and it would play. So yeah. not all, I'm sure not all Chicken Cheese not everybody was updated. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, got that. And here's the thing, they're doing away with the animatronic shows. A lot know. of them are going and away. And so there's no reason to upgrade the equipment at this point. They'll just keep dealing with it until they eventually go to the dance floor with the with the Chuck E. Cheese um, mascot dance mm-hmm. person. So, um, so yes, they do still use floppy disk, but Tim, those machines probably won't be in operation much longer. Probably right? not. So there They're you go. Very few and far between right now. Yeah, exactly. But if you want to see the video of um, Showbiz Pizza Man, Stuart here, um, putting the disk in and it loading, you can watch it. It's pretty, pretty fascinating still. Jumping General says, Miss the days of arcades and movie theaters, department stores, and gas stations. We still have arcades in our movie theaters. I mean, just a couple here and there for sure, but I mean... Not everyone. Not everyone, but some. So, Tim, we talked about three pinball releases last time, and we had two more that actually popped up after the live show, which is amazing to me. Um, Pulp Fiction and Mm -hmm. um, Final Resistance, which is for the P3 platform. Okay. So, both these were at the Texas Pinball Festival. So um, the Final Resistance, of course, is by Multimorphic for the P3 platform, and the Pulp Fiction is by Play Mechanics and Chicago Gaming Company. So far, both games have received positive reactions from the members in the pinball community. Tim, it seemed like coming out of Pinball Festival that Pulp Fiction may have been the most talked about machine there. Maybe because so. it, it's a very it's very early solid state styled. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed that? Yes. It does not have, I don't even think it has a DMD on it or any kind of right. um, digital video screen or LCD. It's different. Right. It's more like, it plays more like a classic style game and it has a cool topper. Did you uh-huh. see the topper on it with the dancing and everything? And the theme, of course, every, a lot of people love Pulp Fiction. So it seemed like of all the games that were at the Pinball Festival, I heard more about Pulp Fiction than anything. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was pretty cool. But um, you guys can check these out. There's some video links to the trailers for these games so you guys can check them out. But uh, overall, I heard nothing but great things about the Texas Pinball Festival. Tim, I wish we could have made it, but, you know, we're so busy now. It's so hard to make it. And uh, But like I said, Mark was there, and Mark 
it sounded like Mark had a fantastic time, and uh, I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this, but he traded in some stuff and got a Star Trek Next Generation I pinball machine. So what congratulations, Mark. Uh, we hope you get a lot of fun out of that. Tim, that's one of my favorite uh, games. That's a Steve Ritchie wide-body game, yep. which I think Steve said he'd never do another wide-body again, <laughs> so that may be the last one. But it is a fantastic game, one of my favorites for sure. Star Trek, Star Trek Next Generation is so fun, so fun. Now, Tim, uh, there were some movies that came out. Uh-huh. And I I, uh, I talked to you about watching them, and I guess you didn't get around to either one I did one of not get to Now, typically, we save movies for the after show, but Tim, these movies are arcade, arcade and video game themed, related. right? Uh-huh. So, the two big ones were Pinball, The Man Who Saved the Game, and Tetris. Okay, right. so Pinball, The Man Who Saved the Game is on On Demand. You can pay for it and watch it. Tetris is on Apple TV+, and it has uh, Taron Edgerton in it. So... Uh, the two new video game pinball-related movies that have been released are the two that I mentioned. So, Pinball, the man who saved the game, focuses on Roger Sharp, a, the young Midwesterner who helped overturn New York City's 35-year-old ban on pinball machines. So, Tim, I watched it. Mm-hmm. Now, I've met Roger. I'm friends with him on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Super nice guy. Sure. Okay? Super nice. Super nice. And um, I tell you what, I got a real kick out of this movie, I guess. Just, uh, just seeing him. The actor that portrays him like now... Looks almost identical to him. They did. I noticed uh, Yeah, that. exactly. I mean, so close. I mean, his mannerisms are a little bit different, but that actor nailed him almost completely. And then um, I thought the whole thing was fun and good and highly recommended. I would I would definitely, even if you're not that into pinball, I thought it told a complete story, did a really good job. Um, it's kind of told from, um, I guess, the now Roger Sharp Hmm. from back when all this was taking place, and it was really interesting. So, highly recommend that one. Tetris is um, the story of how the world's most popular video game found its way to players around the globe. Now, Tim, um, the funny thing about Pinball, the man who saved the game, is that, like like I said, it's like the story's being told by Roger Sharp now, and he's telling the story of the past, and so the now Roger Sharp keeps popping up in different scenes uh-huh. and saying, that's not how it happened, this is how it happened. <laughs> funny. So in Tetris, though... Tetris is different. Tetris does tell the story, but you can tell that they way over dramatized it. And they threw in a car chase scene like right at the end, I feel like, just to throw something in there. And I did not appreciate that. But overall, it was fun to watch. Okay. So um, I highly recommend both of these movies. If you have Apple TV+, Plus, which you should right now because season three of Ted Lasso is on there. Um, But it is definitely worth your time. Definitely worth a watch. Uh, Joe says uh, Tetris documentary is crazy. I can't wait to see the exaggerated film version. Yes. I've seen the documentary on Tetris 2, which is really good, mm-hmm. and probably tells a better tells the actual story. This is a highly dramatized version of that that you can tell goes for a lot of effect. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but overall, I liked it. I really liked it, and both of them are good. So check both of them out. You should watch both of them. Now, Tim, there's a movie that just came out. Yes. Okay, <laughs> and uh, in theaters. Uh, in All fact, right. it came out yesterday. The Super <laughs> Mario movie is now in theaters. So the Super Mario movie is out. The uh, movie features Chris Pratt as Mario, Anna Joy, T- Anna Taylor Joy as Princess Peach, Charlie Day as Luigi, Jack Black as Bowser, Keegan Mike- Michael Key as Toad, Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong, and some cameo- cameos by Charles Martinet. Tim, do you know who he is? No. The original voice of Mario. Okay. I say the original, the current voice of Mario. In the okay. Games. Runtime is an hour and 44 minutes. The movie does have a mid credit scene, Tim, and a post credit scene. Okay. Stay yeah. till the end. So, um, coming back around here, Tim, this is why we're renting the movie theater. Right. So, I told my wife I didn't want really anything for my birthday. I just wanted to rent a movie theater and have 60 of my closest friends come watch the movie with me. So, that's what we're doing. 
So um, Tim will be there with mm-hmm. his wife and y'all's nephews. Two, two great nephews. Okay. And um, several of my other friends will be there. Um, we're going to have a packed house probably, Tim. It's going to be, you know, we're going to have uh, quite a few people in the showing. So, um, yeah, we are all going to a local movie theater and we are going to watch the Super Mario Brothers movie. So next month, Tim, we will talk about what we thought. Right. So you guys will have it. But we also, if you've seen it now or if you're planning to see it, let us know. Uh, I want to know thoughts. Tim, the reviews have kind of been all over the place. Yeah. I so noticed. it's really hard to get an idea. Um, I think people were expecting too much from this. Guys, it's a kid's movie. Right. <laughs> okay. I mean, I expect, you know, I uh, Illumination, who does this movie, also did Minions. Okay. okay like, have you seen Minions? Right. Like, they Should just... Be a little corny. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. all I do, okay? Uh-huh. You know, it's like... We're not looking for deep storylines here. Right. I want good guys versus bad guys. I want good guys to win. There you go. Boom. Like, I mean, just do it. So... Um, I think I'm going to like it. I don't think... Uh, some people are looking for like deep emotional impact, Tim. I'm not looking for no. that in my kids' movies at all. Yeah. I mean, if it happens, I guess that's good. But I mean, you know, for the most part, not looking for that. The kids so. laugh, we'll say it was a success. Exactly. So, but stay till the end. There's a mid-credit, there's a mid-credit and a post-credit scene. And uh, yeah, so we will all be seeing it Saturday, Tim. You, yep. me, and like I said, 60 of my other friends will all be there <laughs> and their families. Well, I'll be there to watch it. So we're going to have a really good time looking forward to that. And that is my birthday present to me, or my, my wife's birthday present to me, or somebody's birthday present to me. I don't okay. know. You're, you, you pitched <laughs> on that too, so it's your, it's your birthday present to me Part too. Of it, so. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for that. But yes, we're looking forward to that. We will be doing that this weekend. So, Well, Tim, I think we've wrapped it up. Okay. Wow. Golly, it's been a busy one. I, I feel like um, we've almost gone two hours tonight. Almost. Longer than usual, but we had a lot to cover. Um, I do want, let's put a reminder out there again, Tim. Uh, last reminder if you guys want to win this. Astro AI 4000 count true RMS digital multimeter without a ranging capability. You need to send us an email at contest at arcaderepairtips.com with your name and mailing address and the password Easter. Yes. Okay, Easter is what we're looking for. So send an email to contest at arcaderepairtips.com. Name, mailing address, and password Easter. Now, we do not sell your data. I keep, I just, all right. the emails just go into a folder. I never give it to anybody else. I will never sell your data. I don't believe in that. So if you say, you. the yeah. only reason I want your mailing address is so if you win, I can just ship, ship it to it you. Too. I don't have right. to worry about getting back in touch with you. We've had some winners that I've emailed three, four, five, six, seven times. They don't ever get back with me. I want to make sure whoever wins, I just ship it out to you. So again, contest at arcaderepairtips.com. Send an email there with your name, your mailing address, and the password Easter. If the password Easter is not in there, you ain't getting it. I All need right. that. All right. So there you go. Got to win. Yeah, 24 win. hours. 24 hours from this. Okay. Okay. So, Tim, let's go ahead and wrap it up then. Okay. We have our reminder here. We want your arcade-related videos. If you want some free advertising for your YouTube channel, we're looking for people to submit short videos, 10 minutes or less, about arcade-related topics. Send the link of your video to questions at arcaderepairtips.com, and our staff will review it. If we like it, we'll use it during one of our live show episodes. Make sure you put in a plug for your channel so people will know where to find you. We look forward to seeing your submissions. And then, of course, Tim, we have our contact information. You can email us at questions at arcaderepairtips.com. Questions at arcaderepairtips.com. Best way to get a hold of us. If you would like your question specifically on the live show, make sure you put live show in the subject line to get it mentioned. Otherwise, we'll try to answer it whenever we get around to it. We may move it to the live show just depending as well. But it is definitely the best way to get a hold of us. Questions at arcaderepairtips.com. 
And we have our YouTube page at youtube.arcaderepairtips.com, youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. Of course, those of you who are here right now live know that. You're watching probably the YouTube stream. But for those of you guys who may be listening to the audio podcast version of this, if you would like to check out the after show or maybe you want to see all those pictures Tim took at the Silver Ball mm-hmm. uh, Museum in Asbury uh, Park, New Jersey, if you want to see those pictures, you will need to check out the YouTube video for episode 74. And that can be found at youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. And if you leave comments on this live show episode, we will try to cover them on the next episode. And then we have our podcast feed, of course. And like I said, some of you guys may be listening to the audio podcast feed right now uh, for this show. And if you are, that's great. If you're listening to it on iTunes, we would would be grateful if you would rate us, especially if you like it. Give us a five-star review. That'd be awesome. If you're not going to give us a five-star review, just please send us an email and let us know what we need to improve. We always like constructive criticism around here. But you can find the iTunes page at iTunes.ArcadeRepairTips.com, iTunes.ArcadeRepairTips.com on iTunes. We're also on Spotify at Spotify.ArcadeRepairTips.com. Tim, Spotify is my preferred method for listening to music and things. Mm -hmm. Not podcasts so much, but definitely for music. Uh, Spotify.ArcadeRepairTips.com, we are there as well. And we have our Stitcher radio page at Stitcher.ArcadeRepairTips.com. Or you can search for Arcade Repair wherever fine podcasts are aggregated. So whatever you're podcast app is of choice podcast attic or uh i don't know whatever other ones that you use nowadays um there's so many different podcast apps now tim i can't keep i can't keep pocket cast whatever you're using um search for arcade repair you're probably gonna find us so there you go and then we have our social media pages we have our facebook page at facebook.arcaderepairtips.com and our twitter feed at twitter.arcaderepairtips.com which we will remain on twitter until they shut the whole thing down which mm-hmm. uh, tim you never know when that's going to happen especially right. with the way uh, elon's running it lately Could be. but um, as long as it's there we'll be there mm-hmm. and we want to thank mark for all of his contributions to the community and like i mentioned he went to the pinball festival and he got to play some pinball machines which is pretty awesome and also got to buy one which mm-hmm. is pretty cool too so thank you mark for your contributions but uh, if you guys would like to check out our facebook page that's facebook.arcaderepairtips.com or twitter.arcaderepairtips.com. Pretty much the same content either way you go. It just depends on where you want to find us. And Tim, that about does it for this episode. Now, we have some things to talk about in the after show. And so I do want to um, mention this. Because you had like an awesome idea that I just absolutely loved. Okay. Um, we talked about baseball cards because you gave me this cool Nolan Ryan card for my birthday. Right. Okay. But you brought something else with you. I did. And I'm going to give it to you. And okay. so you can show everybody else. So in the after show, we're going to be doing uh-huh. something a little bit different here. We're going to be talking baseball because right. baseball season's just started up. But um, we got baseball cards, Tim. But you brought something besides the Nolan Ryan. Card. I did. From my personal collection, I brought a pa- unopened pack that I have had since probably 1988 or 89, a set of 87 Donruss. And I thought for fun... Why am I just holding on to these and they're storing a lot of dust? They're not getting a lot of value. We're going to open it and see what we pull out. And uh, just for fun to see what kind of, since it's baseball season, we love baseball. We're going to talk about some baseball and see if we can't pull out a valuable card tonight. Maybe help us pay for another live show sometime. <laughs> but anyway, uh, or no, nothing else. We'll have bragging rights or something. But anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about some movies. Uh, a little bit about sports and different things that we've been uh, participating in. Uh, so we hope that you stick around for that. If uh, you're, if not, and this is where you sign off. We thank you for watching tonight. Hope that it's been entertaining and that you've learned something. By all means, keep those questions coming. And I want to say this real quick. Any, so any kind of card. there could be a valuable card in here. There could be. We were hope that we're going to hope to pull out a Greg Maddox rookie or a Bo Jackson or a Barry Bonds. 
there's some uh, definitely uh, Mark McGuire. So this is 1988 on it. it. Says all 26 1988 Diamond King. The Diamond Kings. I have some of those. Okay. The Diamond Kings prints. Remember those? So the this is an 88. Okay. okay. I just grabbed it. I just grabbed. I've got a bunch of them. Yeah. So this is from 1988. So I mean, okay, you guys want to talk about 80s culture, man? I was. I was knee deep in these kind of uh, packages when right. I was a kid. Me too. Gum too. This one I have the gum uh, in, yeah. but gum too. Right. Don't chew the gum. That's right. So, but we will be opening that during t- the after show. So yeah, hopefully, just for fun. Yeah. Just that uh, I thought it's baseball season. I knew I was going to give you the Nolan Ryan card. I thought, well, maybe we'll pull another Nolan Ryan tonight, and uh, we'll see what we get. Absolutely. So, and we'll be talking about shows we're watching. We'll be talking about what Tim did for his birthday because you know um, we we I, obviously we had him on here for his birthday, but then he celebrated, right? Yeah. So we'll right. talk about that and maybe a little bit more about your trip and some other things as well. So if you want to stay tuned from that, you're more than welcome to. If you're watching live, uh, of course you can also fast forward if you're just watching the recording of this, and uh, you'll eventually get there. The after show happens about ten to fifteen minutes or. Five to ten, really. Five to ten minutes after the regular live show. So if you're watching this video, you can just kind of fast forward. Lately, Tim, we've been marking the chapters. Okay. So there may be a chapter that just says after show beginning. Okay. Or begins. And if that's the case, just jump there and you'll be good to go. But otherwise, if this is your off-ramp, we want to thank you for joining us tonight. We want to give a big round of applause to the live chat. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Thank you, you guys. guys. Especially those of you who donated. That is awesome. Yes. We thank you guys so much. Um, just awesome having you guys here. We love having um, we love having you here. It makes the show so much um, better when we get a lot of good, good uh, questions and comments and things from the live chat. So we want to thank all of you guys for being here. Remember, we're always here the first Thursday night of every month at 5.30 p.m. Central Time. And uh, sometimes five after. Yeah. <laughs> Not always right at 35, but most of the time. So we want to thank you guys for joining us tonight. Thank you guys who made donations as well. We appreciate those. Um, but Tim, I think we're ready to go, huh? Let's go. Okay, so um, thank you again, guys. We look forward to seeing you here in May. Tim will be our next episode. And remember here at Arcade Repair Tips, when you fix the game, you play the game. Take care, everybody. We'll see you in the after show, or we'll see you next month for another live show. Good night, everybody. Good night. Thank you for watching this episode of the Arcade Repair Tips live show. All of our past episodes are available on our website at ArcadeRepairTips.com or on our YouTube page. This show is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please consult a professional before attempting to repair any coin-operated machines yourself. The preceding program is a Varcade Entertainment production.